Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome uh, to the program. This is the Jeff Gerstmann Show. I'm your host for this week's installment of the show. My name is Jeff Gerstmann. It's, it's September 5th. Uh, we are on the other side of the release of Starfield, but not on the other side of people talking about Starfield. And so we're going to, you know, talk about Starfield. And some other stuff. Hey, some other things uh, happening out there in the the world of of video games. It's not just that, but uh, you know, we are, as they say, in it. Uh, Mortal Kombat is out next week. <laughs> That's how I kind of was like, oh, geez, yeah, right, yes, big big week for wrestling news. Big big crazy week for video games. A lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, Jedi Survivor patch hit this morning. Uh, I saw some screen grabs of uh, the DLSS kind of frame generation support and it didn't look great. It looked very blurry, looked very uh looked looked kind of uh looked not great. So very excited about that. But uh I I I yes, I one of these days I'll play the rest of Jedi Survivor, but now here we are. It's September. When did that game come out? That game has been out for it feels like it's been out all year. I know that's not actually true. Um, but it came out in April. Okay, so that's like it's like a long time. That might as well be the be- the beginning of the year. In 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 most of the ways that matter. <laughs> um and so here we are all these months later and there, you know, here's patch 7. Um and a lot of the patch notes were console specific, so maybe that's an improved uh, experience for for console players or something to that effect. Speaking, you know, like and it was opening with the patch news here, I guess. But Immortals Vavium got another patch uh, that didn't seem all that substantial, but uh, I don't know something that was uh, going around uh, for 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 consoles specifically is like oh here's here's another thing yeah and then, and then pete hines was out talking about redfall basically saying we're gonna i this actually turned into actual patch news i don't know this is not i did not intend to start anyway <laughs> um talking about redfall and saying remember redfall i i would forgive you if, if you did not it's uh it is not the most memorable game I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. the only way the only reason it was memorable is because of all the weird hubbub about it um but pete hines from bethesda was out there you know talking about stuff and it came up and, and he said oh, yeah we're gonna work on it until it's good it's where it'd be it'd be crazy if we didn't and i was like yeah that's yep it would be i suppose um and we'll yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see where that ends up it's kind of not it's you know yeah, yeah, and he compared Redfall to Elder Scrolls Online, which, uh, you know, yeah, Elder Scrolls Online, people were not happy with it when it came out. I, I Well, I played it at launch, and I was just like, hey, this is, uh, you know, he said, he said I, I believe that uh, people will still be playing Redfall in 10 years, I think is what he said. Um, but... Uh, you know, Elder Scrolls Online was a game that people had a ton of complaints about out of the gate, and over the years, they it got better. Fallout seventy six, I think, also came up in terms of like, you know, um, 
no, very few people seemed happy with Fallout 76 when that game came out. I, but at the same time, I think around the time they added NPCs to Fallout 76, it seemed like people started uh, coming around on it at least a little bit. The people who had managed to stick with it for all that time had finally got a better game or something. So I, I don't know. That's uh that's a really, yeah, I don't know. And there's still, there's, you know, Fallout, you could, you could go play Fallout 76 right now. You could. Nothing's stopping you. Uh, but, you know, Redfall is not meant, not a lot, you know, it's not an online game. It's a, I mean, it's a co-op game for sure, but it's, it's not the same business proposition of Elder Scrolls where like, hey, they're going to sell substantial new pieces of the game and the you know in fallout 76 of course there's a you know the whole microtransaction aspect of that game incentivizes them to continue to work on it also fallout and elder scrolls are their two biggest franchises so they're gonna be a little more inclined to not um bury those or not uh, not let those go to waste i suppose uh whereas redfall it I think people would be less mad if Redfall came along and this went like, whoa, hey, man, that was a stinker. Anyway, moving on. Red what? Um, here's Dishonored 3. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the right thing to do is, is to, you know, get that game in a better place. But I don't, I don't, know, I don't know that I necessarily think that a, a Redfall getting to a better place is going to... Like like the number of people that will be excited about that seems like pretty low, but they should do it. It's the right thing to do. Uh, and they should keep uh, they should have, well keep patching. I said they should patch Starfield as well because <laughs> it's uh... oh boy, I have been continuing to play Starfield. So last week, uh, last Thursday is when Starfield first, I guess, was released for people. Um who had either purchased the full premium version, the expensive version of the game or people that purchased the premium upgrade for like 30, 30, 30 or 35 bucks uh, and had game pass. So if you, if you had game pass and, and you wanted to play it early, you could, you could pay for the premium update and, uh, and start playing it as of as of last thursday and i think for everyone else it is out today or is it later this week i think it's today that's a noble uh that's a noble figure and number but uh okay let's go look here what does the steam store page say for it yeah it's out in 6 hours so I assume that's the game pass launch time as well. Um, you know, if you, it, it's a, yeah, we, we got an email about the, the language they use around that stuff. And that's kind of weird. I like Starfield. It's, uh, I have been playing more of it. So, you know, I, I, I played a chunk of it pre-release, um, you know, 20 hours, something like that, whatever it was. Um, and have had a pretty good time with it. Uh, and, there are things I like about the game that now that I have put even more time into it, I am liking less. Um, kind of as I as I kind of come around on more of the systems and go like, okay, here's this, here's this, here's, you know, I've had a, a buggier experience and I have had situations where it's like this, you know, 
uh, there's stuff about this that seems like it should be better. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess like I would, I think it is cool. I think the, the, the universe they have created in terms of the, like I said, the uh, last week, the, the ship design, the, the aesthetics of that game, I think are very cool. I, I do, I do really like the look of it. Um, I don't necessarily think that they filled that world with a bunch of great stuff. And the more I play of it, um, you know, they marketed the game and it's, it's like a, a very nebulous term, right? But they, they use the phrase, it's a next generation RPG. Um, and that's something that like, what does that mean? Who, you know, like whatever it means it runs. I mean, if we want to be very technical about it, it means that it runs on current generation Xboxes and not the Xbox one. Right. I mean, that's ultimately what that means. Um, but it is not, it does not have the scope of the games that I think people compare. You know, I think a lot of people were looking for like some no man's sky thing and like, it, it does not have that scope. And I feel like when they showed it off in June or July or whatever, the, the kind of E3 window there, um, I feel like I, watching that thing they put out, that really grounded that game for me in something real in terms of like human beings are making this game and frantically trying to get it out the door and here's what it's going to be. And I, you look at it and go like, okay, this seems sensible in terms of like, hey, here's the next game from Bethesda Game Studios. Uh, and so the very idea of like, it's going to be like No Man's Sky, like, no, it's not. But I guess the stuff I didn't necessarily expect, and and you can go, you know, I, I wrote up something that's on, it's on the Patreon. You can go read it for free uh, over at patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. Um, I had not figured out how the maps worked. And I was like, maybe I missed a tutorial. Maybe I missed something, but there's just something about the maps that I'm just not. And then come to realize like, oh no, it's, it's not me. It's it's not like I'm missing the maps in this game are abysmal are in a shocking way, whether it's your the local area map of like, hey, look around you. What you know, what's the city I'm in like that is maybe the worst. But in terms of. Giving the. The world, any sense of scope or size or whatever else, like it's terrible just the drizzling it it is it is a miserable experience trying to navigate your way around and so they must have realized this or i don't know what came first but like instead they have been very uh giving no they've they've been very uh the, the the ability to fast travel is i think much larger and and easier to get into than um than i than i expected like the the range at which you can fast travel to stuff like you don't have to if, if you're standing on a planet near your ship or not maybe not even really near your ship but you can basically go to your mission log and you can select the next mission you want to do hit a button that's like set course and then hit a button to fast travel there and it will put you in orbit around the new planet um, unless you're traveling to a town that you've been to and it'll travel, it'll put, it'll put you right in the front of the door of the, the base you're trying to go into and you can just walk right in. And this is very convenient. Um, and it's really cool, but also it makes the game feel very small. You know, space feels like a very minor part of this space game of this sci-fi game, I guess, you know, like, 
Like, so, so when I think people go like, oh, I can't believe it. it's not like no man's sky. It's like, dude, it's not even close. It's like, it's like, you know how, when they put out the pit for fallout as DLC and it was this cordoned off separate area with a separate map. It's like a game full of those. It's like a game with like a hundred different maps that are not, you can't walk from here to there, <laughs> you know? Um, and you know, the, the space part of the game feels like, Hey, sometimes when you are, uh, when you tra- fast travel to a planet, when you spawn, there will be enemies there and you will have a fight and then you can land or you can try to fly away. If you're scared of the fight or whatever, you can try to grab jump away and, and, and do that. But it's not a, you know, it's, it's not, you're not like you, you can, I suppose I should say someone did, um, spend seven hours flying to Pluto or something like that. But the, it sounds like the textures got all blurry. Like they did not expect you to just fly out that far. Um, and so it, it is the next game from Bethesda game studios, but I don't know that I would say it feels like something that is, uh, truly next generation in scope or in gameplay, or in really any kind of way. Like, I, I like the way it looks aesthetically. You know, the animations of the humans, and as they get caught on doorways and chairs and stuff, you still look at it and go like, I have been seeing this for the last two generations, in fact. Um, and so, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a very hit or miss experience. Like, I've had some really great moments in it, and then other moments that just feel like they fall flat because of, you know, whether it's a scripting thing or, or whether they're just like they didn't write dialogue. So there are moments in that game, and I'm, I'm going to try to not spoil specific things about the, the story or some of the things you see and do. But there are times when you encounter wondrous things that are beyond human comprehension. Um... And you are very quickly cast as like the, this kind of chosen one special guy, like within the first five minutes, it's like, wow, you're, you should come with us. Um, but you can bring other companions with you and they are part of constellation, this, uh, explorers guild of people that are like out there trying to see the wonders of space and try to see all this stuff. And you bring someone with you who is like wide eyed and, so excited to explore the frontier and you take them to this thing and show them something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And you're like, wow, well now I can do this. Um, and they have zero voice lines for it. The, the companion has nothing to say about it. Uh, at all. And it's like, God damn man. Like the, it just it it betrays the characters and and I've liked the characters so far um and and they don't you know you're showing them this crazy thing and then they don't say anything at all you walk up and talk to them and go like surely they will have something to say here about the th- crazy thing we didn't know no they don't and and so you know, like maybe like hours later because occasionally companions if they're on your ship or part of your crew or or whatever whatever they'll go like hey I got something for you and you'll get up and talk to them and and you, that's like your companion moment of like where you pick if you're gonna flirt or not or or whatever and they tell you a thing about their um 
about their past and you go like, well, you did the best you could. And they, and then it says, Sam co loved that. And you're like, all right, great. Um, and, or, or they'll be like, I got something for you. And you go up and, and you hit the button that says, I hear you have something for me. And they go, Oh, you heard I have something for you. How did you know? Like motherfucker, you just said it 15 seconds ago. And then he hands you like a piece of food <laughs> that restores five hit points. You're like, Oh, thanks. Cool. Awesome. Um, and so that, that to me is the biggest, you know, like the, the, <laughs> the companions have like no reaction to the stuff you, you know, you, there's a, a faction you encounter that is like a big mysterious thing. And you're like, who are these people? Oh my gosh. What is, what is going on? But then like over the next, like depending on what missions you do after that, you encounter them again in combat. And you will encounter them with a companion, and then later on they'll say like, "Well, we still don't know what they are. They human?" I'm like, "Well, you don't you know, like it's like they, it's like they were not present for the fight you had, and don't remember that you've mowed down six or seven of them on your quest to go to all these different places." Um, and it's a bummer. It's a real bummer because there's so much promise, and I think the the core premise. And just the individual plot points I have found engaging and interesting, but I think the world building and the the things that you would want them to do be better at, I think, most notably when when we're talking about, again, a next generation RPG. This is the stuff that I would want more of. This is the stuff that I think would make me feel a lot better about uh, the game overall. And it, it just, it doesn't have that sort of stuff. I've seen complaints, you know, complaints are across the board, I think, in a lot of different ways. People are also enjoying the game. Uh, you know, I, I am enjoying the game. Uh, I, I, but also, you know, you see people going like, I can't believe how many loading screens there are in this game. And yeah, it's, you know, it loads as much as any other Bethesda game. You walk into a door, it loads. You know, you're like, you go from indoors to outdoors. Uh, generally speaking, you know, you're going into a location. You go into a cave. It goes to a loading screen and spits you out the other end the same way that, um, the same way that their previous games have. You know, and, and again, I, I don't, that doesn't, that hasn't really bothered me. I've seen some people like kind of, complaining about that and and in terms of like games shouldn't do that anymore and like i i get it like i think it would be cool if the game did feel like more of a technical step forward than it than it seems to um which i'm sure there's some like technical director or someone who worked on this game for the last several years is like motherfucker you don't even know the technical things we did and like i guess like that's the problem is i think that there's like some of that you know like whatever it doesn't show it feels a lot like their previous work in terms of structure and scope and, and, and whatever else. It feels like they said, like, well, instead of just one big Skyrim, we're going to have all these different planets. And then, well, the planets will technically be bigger spaces than the entirety of it, but there's nothing there. I guess that's my other problem is anytime I've spent off the beaten path, anytime I've been like, I'm going to go over here and see what's there. There's a, it says there's an anomaly over here. It says there's a cave here. It says there's this here. And, and, um, Every time I've gone over there, there really hasn't been, it has not felt like it was worth the trip. Um, so for as much as I'm enjoying the 
the faction quests and tracking down stolen ships and tracking down um terror morphs horrific alien invasion and you know like all the like that stuff i have found to be really engaging and i have found the core of it the writing of like here's the thing you're doing and why i think that stuff's been really good but i think that a lot of the stuff under the surface um you know once you go past kind of skin deep or once you kind of get out of the main quests and faction quests into the third and fourth tier of quests activities and and you know uh other you know missions that are not necessarily tied to factions or or your main story like that stuff starts to fall flatter and flatter but just the core of like it's space i want to explore like a no man's sky perhaps walking around a planet and going like oh i'm going to see what's here um the answer so far has been very little there's been very little out there when i when i go to to look for other stuff and um it's that's disappointing so i guess like i i'm coming at it from this perspective of like i i am enjoying it i have kind of i have stopped playing it as much <laughs> uh last week i was playing a lot of it every night and then I went like two or three days not touching it at all. And I, I got back to it last night and I was just like, okay, let's get back in here and, and make some things happen. Um, and so it's been this roller coaster of like, uh, I think that the, it starts a little slow. The main quests really starts to pick up and that got me hooked on it and hooked into it. And then that stuff is kind of spread out in a way now again that I'm like, okay, well I'm, I'm still curious about it, but it's like, it's not as, yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a weird thing, man. It, it's, you think about all the years that have passed since, I guess, I mean, they did some work on fallout 76, but it wasn't like their primary thing, but like, you know, this is kind of like the first thing they've shipped since fallout four. Right. I mean, well, well, they I, they touched like Skyrim VR and special edition and some of that other stuff too, right? But so maybe it wasn't wasn't the only thing that they've worked on. But this is the the first game that you go like, here's the next big thing from this crew. Uh, I guess since since Fallout Four, um, I'll tell you, I'm having a much 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 better time with this than I ever had with Fallout Four. Uh, and I think that the combat is, is mostly engaging, you know, but you end up in, in similar situations, right? Where so many different guns say, take so many different types of ammo that I find myself walking around with like 16 guns all the time because I'm like, well, I ran out of ammo for this one. So now I need to switch to this one. Now I need to switch to this. Um, and that's weird. What I probably should be doing is just picking up the gun dropped by the first enemy I kill because that's what all the enemies in the cave are going to have. And they'll all drop ammo for it. That's probably what I should just be doing. Um, but like, you know, walking around with like over half my carry weight taken up by guns is. Uh, it's not a great time. <laughs> um, and uh, but it is getting me to use a bunch of weapons that I would not use otherwise. And, you know, it's interesting to see some of the different types of guns, ballistic guns, laser guns, EM guns that uh, kind of stun enemies instead of kill and. You know, trying to use grenades, which I don't think are implemented super well. Um, it's funny to have grenades in a game, and and you can upgrade some of your abilities to kind of start drawing lines on the screen and and whatever else. But 
uh, for trajectories and stuff, but it's funny to throw grenades in a game where you're never really quite sure what the gravity of the planet you're on is. So sometimes you're like, well, I'm going to just aim that at him and it just keeps going and just flies away. You're like, oh, right. Yeah, there goes that grenade. Oh, well, whatever. The boost pack is fun. Not as fun as it looked pre-release, but, uh, you know, boosting up close to enemies and hitting them with a shotgun or, do, you know, doing cool stuff like that can be really cool. Uh, using low gravity and a boost pack to just like hop up super high and uh, use a scoped weapon to just kind of rain down on people. That's been a, a pretty good time. I don't, you know, I think games that are core first person shooters, you know, the, the, the shooting in this is not as good as world class shooters of, you know, of the world or whatever, but it's close enough. Um, and, uh, and it feels nice. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying upgrading my persuasion. I'm enjoying doing lock picking and, and seeing what's behind all this stuff and talking people out of robbing banks and all the, the cool shit that these games always do, right? Um, they've created a lot of good scenarios along the way for you to to use um, a lot of those tools, and I, I think that's fun. I persuade, like, a, I, I picked, so when you create your character, you pick some traits. Um, and some of them are like, yo, you have parents, and if you have parents, you can always go visit your parents, and but you also, that means you're going to pay them 2% of your money every week, and I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Um, I ended up, I forget why, but I, I picked wanted, which means you have a bounty on your head. And it means, you know, bounty hunters will just occasionally show up and, uh, try to collect the bounty on you. I was like, well, that'll be fun. Um, and I have not had to, fu- well, no, the first time I smoked them first time I was just like, I was on, I was, it was the first time on a planet where I was just running in a direction. And I was like, well, I'm just going to run over here and see what this building is. And I got there and there was nothing there but on my way there like a bunch like coming over a mountain a line of bounty hunters like three or four guys just started running in my direction i'm like well these guys are running up like they're going to talk to me not like they're going to shoot me what the hell is going on and they stop and go we got a bounty on your head i'm like oh word and then i just just smoked them all but um but other times i have used the persuasion skill to talk my way out and been like or, or sometimes even your other skills like piloting. If you have the piloting skill, uh, last time they came for me, I was able to say like, I don't know if you guys are going to fucking uh, pull this one off. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty good at this. And they were like, yeah, your ship is bigger, better than we thought it was. We're just going to go. Uh, and they've left. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so like all those like little outcomes are can be pretty good. And sometimes, you know, like there was, you know, sometimes you're not really sure how enemies are going to react in in situations where you're like picking locks near them and they don't see it, but then I walked into a room and the whole ship activated and attacked me. Like some really just inconsistent stuff like that in the same way that these games have always been. Um, in terms of bugs, it's, it's glitchy and, and, you know, characters get hung up on stuff and enemies will shoot you through a closed door because they will be stuck in the middle of it, jiggling and shooting at you. And maybe you can shoot them back. Maybe you can't depending on how much of them is on the other side of the door. That's a real good time. Um, there was a case where I had to run around and talk to four people in a location 
that they had been knocked down, let's say. And I went and talked to three of them. And then the fourth one, I, I boosted upstairs to go talk to the fourth guy. He was the furthest away. And I saw the, as I was heading in that direction, the mission icon just started moving up. And as I got there, I was just in time to see this man who was in a laid down injured position, floating through the ceiling and floating away. And then he would get to some boundary and teleport down, but he he was invisible the entire time, but it would just go pop, pop, pop. And as he was through the roof, I could not talk to him and I could not continue the quest. So I had to go back and reload a save. And on when I reloaded the save, I went to that guy first before he could fly. He was trying to fly away again. He was trying. But I, uh, I got to him before he did and, and we were able to move on. Um, the game handles uh, ships and having multiple ships in a really weird way where I found a ship and got in it. And I was like, oh, I guess I own this ship now. And I was like, oh, but it's way worse than the one that I have. So I don't want it. I'm going to get out of it. But wait, now this thinks the game thinks that this is my ship. And so when I fast traveled, it was still showing me the inventory for the new ship and not my old ship. But my old ship was still set as set as my home ship. So it should have fast traveled me to that one and and. And so there was a weird thing where like then my home ship just appeared on the pad of the planet that I fast traveled to. And once I got on it, everything was fine. Um, so there's just, you know, you know, uh, you, you guys are grownups. You've played these other Bethesda games, you know, I will say it has been less fucked up than some of their past work. Um, in so far as I did not have to reload a save from hours ago, I was able to reload a save from five minutes ago. Um, though you should save early and save often in that game. So I'm really torn on it, you know? Um, but I but I think the the biggest the biggest thing about it is that it does not feel like a very much of an advancement past the things that they have made previously. Um, and I'm sure again that they they would say like, Oh, well the size of this and the number of play, you know, like I'm sure that there's some metric and something on paper that you, they could point to and go, well, the, the previous games haven't done this, but I think in terms of overall feel and features, um, like it feels like it's checking boxes from their previous games. Like you get to a point where you're like, oh, oh, right. Here's another system that I remember from Skyrim that they have repurposed for this purpose. Okay. Look at this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I understand now. And so it's a, I, I would say it's like, if, if you're expecting something that is like dramatically ambitious and feels, if, it, if you're looking at something from a feel perspective, feels brand new. This is not that game. This is the next game from Bethesda Game Studios. Um, and it it wears that on its sleeve. For, uh, positives and negatives, all right there. And so I think you kind of have to decide how how ready you are for something like that. Um, 
and that's uh, that happens to be something that I'm I'm up for right now. Uh, it, because it has not been so broken. Like you know, remember, like you know, Fallout Four, especially on PlayStation Four, which is where I first played it, um, was a train wreck. I had a, a terrible experience with that game in terms of quests breaking, in terms of uh, it going to seconds per frame instead of frames per second, and all, all this other. Like it's just, I don't think that's a good game. Um. I had I had a bad time with that game, and a lot of people in chat are saying it still kind of sucks. I'm like, okay, well, I I will never know because I'm not going to go back to Fallout Four. Um, but yeah, it's uh, unabashedly the the next game from from Bethesda Game Studios, and uh, I don't know. I, I think that in in some ways that that is a little disappointing. I, th- I think that there's um and especially I, I think in the context of it being referred to as a next generation rpg so and granted you know the a lot of people that worked on that game probably had nothing to do with the marketing slogan or any of that other stuff so it's not their fault but uh yeah i don't know it's uh it's okay on that front you know and and i think that um, I was hoping for more, but at the same time, you know, when I saw it back in June, you, you kind of grounds you a little bit. You will go back and watch that. And you're like, I see a whole lot of systems that look like they came came out of every other game. This team has made. And you look at it and go, yeah, okay. Yes, that is that I was right. That is, that is, that is in fact what it is. That's not a bad thing. Fuck man. I, I think, uh, you know, for me, I go back to Fallout 3 and I go back to Oblivion, I think. Not even necessarily Skyrim. So I, I just, I kind of, I ran out, I, I eventually just got bored with Skyrim. Maybe I spent too much time doing the tiny auto-generated missions that didn't matter and was just like, I'm going to turn this off now, whatever it was. But, um, but I think that, um... I think those games were amazing and I think that they kind of kept making them and kept making them and, and you kind of feel like you're waiting for this studio to really take a dramatic step forward and I guess just this isn't it. This doesn't feel like it. I think that it's a cool game and I think that if you, you know, if you know what you're getting going in, I think you will have a fantastic time. Um and you know, they will they will patch some things and or, or if you're the sort of person that is going to go look at what modders are doing and you want the flashlight that looks like Todd Howard or whatever, or I guess it's a Phil Spencer flashlight, sorry. Sorry. Um, then, you know, you can go check that out. I, uh, but I, I, I guess I just, it's, um, it's, it's, it seems like a situation where like a lot of people spend a lot of time talking this game up in ways that made it seem like it was going to be a lot more than it is. And I guess that is, that is my word. Like if, if there's a, like a get the word out thing about this game, I think it's to say, Hey man, this, this is the next game from that studio and you see it all over it top to bottom. There is no mistaking this for a game from any other studio. 
like you you look at it you're like more, the more time you spend with it the more you feel like you have been playing this game for 15 years like you're just like okay yeah no this is yeah this is the next one of those i get it i get it um and and i think you know the, 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 again i i i will kind of join the club but i don't know that it's necessarily there's nothing game breaking about it. Like I, I, I agree that it would be cool if there were fewer load times. I agree that it would be cool if I mean the maps are abysmal. Like if I were to say like what's job one with Starfield, I'm, I'm sure there's some people experiencing crash bugs and stuff out there. That's probably actually job one. But uh, from my experience, it's the maps, um, which are real bad. Like, again, on-foot maps for when you're in a city seem like something you should have um, because it's real crazy that it doesn't have that and it becomes very hard to navigate some of the cities where you're like, I need to go to this specific shop and I have no idea where it is. <laughs> um, it's What district is it in? Is it? It's probably in the commercial district because it's, it's commerce, right? And so you go there and you wander around like, I think it's left from here. But like, you don't really have any good ways to set it up. It's wild. It's wild that it doesn't have that. Like, it's really messed up um, that that that's not there. But that's kind of the only place that needs it because I think fast travel is so good. Like, you can, you know, so you can hit the left bumper and pull up your scanner at any point. And that's something you use on planets when you're scanning animals and rocks and, and whatever the fuck else. But anytime you want to fast travel anywhere, you can pull up your scanner, look at your ship, whatever direction your ship is in, there'll be an icon that'll be like, here's your landing pad and here's the frontier. You just look at the frontier and hit the A button. It fucking fast travels you to the cockpit of your ship. You're like, boom. And then that's pretty fast. It loads, but it's pretty fast. Or in a lot of cases, you can just look at your mission map and go, where do I want to go next? We go in here. All right, cool. And then just hit fast travel from there and it'll fucking take you. And you just, and depending on where you're going, you might not even see the ship. Uh, it's, um, it's very generous. I guess I would say on, on that front. The one case though, is if your ship is docked, like if you dock to a space station, you can land on the ground and fast travel. You can do whatever else you're doing. You can fast travel. But if you are docking, and I love to dock, but if you are docking, whether it's on a space station or another ship that you are, you know, you can you can target systems and shoot the engines out on a ship and then go over and board them and get down there and murder them all, which is cool. The the subsystem, like the, the there's X-Wing and TIE Fighter little moments of the space combat that you that are, are awesome. And I wish that there was more to do in space that involved that stuff. Um. Anyway, if your ship is docked, you cannot fast travel. You can fast travel to the cockpit, but then you have to hit the undock button and get yourself into space before you can fast travel. I couldn't tell you why. This is a weird technical reason. I no idea. It's like the one weird limitation on fast travel. Uh, that that feels crazy you're like why uh why how come like it's so generous in all these other weird uh fast travel situations that 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 being the one where it's like you cannot fast travel while docked like what why okay so i gotta go back to the cockpit hold down the y button and then go through a little animation get into space and then fast travel it's just weird i don't know like again 
who cares in the grand scheme of things uh it doesn't matter but it's just another weird quirk of the game and of a game full of weird quirks um and so that's sort of the the story of starfield i think is is that like a lot of this studio's past work it's it's janky seems notably less janky than their last game um and i think from a frame rate perspective and and all that sort of stuff i think it runs great on this on this pc anyway um i know there's another people have have uh modded dlss support into it on some level i don't know how well that works i've been using i don't even know if i've been using fsr um or if i just have it all turned off but it has been performance wise no issues again this is you know this the computer is pretty far above the the baseline specs for for starfield so um so yeah i, I think you got to take and take the good with the bad on that one i hesitate to use the words a mixed bag uh because what does that even mean but we've spent enough time talking about it that i think now you know what i mean when i say that it's uh there's there's a lot of great stuff in there and i wish that it was better about the small moments i wish it was better about treating space like a big mystery a big mysterious something i i wish that it had proper exploration in it um and more meaningful and and maybe this is you know i have just looked in the wrong direction and i haven't found anything cool but again i I think you know every time i've gone every time i've been somewhere and just like i'm gonna go land on this planet and see what's here um it's very rare that i find anything of note and uh and i think that that's that's maybe one of the most damning things you can say about it is like it doesn't feel like, you know, for as much as they talked about how many worlds you can explore and how big it is and, oh, space is so big and these planets are so large and blah, it doesn't feel big. Unless you want to artificially extend it by just saying, I know best, I'm just going to fly there myself because I don't use fast travel, I'm a cool guy. You know, if you're going to be that person, then fucking point your ship at something and go, you know, go read a book, I guess. It's light speed travel. It takes a fucking long time to get there. Like, don't, don't be a dummy. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, yeah, again, I, you know, there's, there's just a lot of aspects of, of that game that I think from the exploration and just size and scope stuff that I, I wish that it could be better. Um, Because it, it, like what they do, the, the way they've built it is space just feels like something you do in front of a planet. Um, you, you know, you're, you, you fast traveled to a planet and then you're there and ah, there's a bunch of asteroids or whatever. And, oh, there's three enemy ships and they're coming at me. Let's go kill them. All right. Problem solved. And here we go. And on the ground, it's been like, oh, over here, there's something. And then you look at it and you go, it's a cave. And you're like, okay, let's go look at the cave. And you're like, awesome, let's go in the cave. What's in the cave? 
there was four dudes and one of them had a a note on them that said we're crazy dudes out here in space and we we're we're the leftover guys that oh, we're not part of no faction we're out here in this you know doing this right, okay yeah i have found the spacer communication slate on multiple spacers in fact i get it you're just crazy dudes that like to hang out on abandoned planets i get it it's fine um so yeah, I don't know. It's um it it's been in very interesting to see a lot of the discussion around the game from when the reviews hit until, you know, as as more and more people got their hands on it. Um and uh the I it's, you know, I think the reaction feels very tepid. I think the even the people that like the game are are still kind of saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, you you've you've kind of got to take a a bag of caveats with you on this journey um and uh i'm very curious to see you know like i'm sure this does well for them right it's the next game from the people what made skyrim it's on game pass it's blah 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 you know like all, all this other stuff um but yeah it's not you know i like i i think a lot of the people uh you want to find the planet with the bat cave. I did that last night. That's uh eh. Eh. <laughs> It is uh It does not seem like a game that is that is continuing to be in the game of the year conversation. I'll say. It feels like that 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 dried up, you know, like when I was, I think I, I forget, I was saying last week, like, oh man, what are we going to do? You know, like I was talking about Baldur's Gate and I was like, man, this Baldur's Gate versus Zelda showdown is going to be a real bloodbath or something. And then some people in chat were like, what about Starfield? And I was like, we will see. And we have seen. And I, uh, yeah. I, I don't think that this game is in that conversation anymore based on just the, again, like I think even the positive reactions for it are, are tempered in a certain way that you just kind of look at it and go like, yeah, I, I don't really see this. Like, I, I don't, I don't see people. Um, and and I, I, that's not me, you know, whatever. Oh, it's not the best. Oh, I can't believe it's not the best game of the year. Like whatever it, it's I'm again, I will probably put another 30 hours into this thing. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm not disliking it, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's you know it's it's it it's, it is not a it does not feel like a step forward. It feels like an, an adjacent like well, it's on the next generation of platforms, and we've made some changes, and we we did a sci-fi one instead of a wasteland one or a or a one with the dragons or whatever. Now it's spaceships. Cool. Yeah. That's good because I like spaceships more than I like dragons. Um, and the wasteland stuff has been pretty hit and miss. It's, it's, you know, it's funny, like spending all this time thinking about Bethesda's past work. I got all mad about the ending of fallout three again. 
I got so mad about the end of Fallout 3. Um, because they changed it at some point and still didn't fix it. So if you don't remember, and, and, and this is my hazy remembering of the end of Fallout 3. God damn it. So you have to go in a room that is full of radiation and hit some switches or something to save the world or, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck it is you're doing. The, the room is full of radiation and you're going to die. Um, and you can bring a super mutant as a companion. Super mutants are immune to radiation. And so you, you could, in theory, send the super mutant in there. And they did not account for that. Then they released DLC to try to account for it. But all the DLC does is basically have the super mutant be like, oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take this moment away from you. This is a big deal for you. You should, you should, you should do it. I'm like, no. Or the, the before and after I either, neither, neither option is actually like you should just go, hey, dumbass, go in there and hit those switches so that I don't die. You should do that. And that doesn't become the fucking option. Like they went and changed it to account for you might have the super mutant companion. And they did not say like, oh, well, you can go in and you've outsmarted the ending. And and then, yeah, you end up surviving because it's a new game plus thing anyway. It, it's a... Terrible, <laughs> terrible moment in gaming history. Um, and I got all the, yeah, like thinking about their their games and, and everything. Um, very frustrating. Made me want to play Fallout New Vegas again. For whatever that's worth. Um, Starfield's not the only game I've played this week. Um, Hyenas, the creative assembly first person shooter from Sega is in closed beta. They're running a, a beta on steam. There's a button you could hit on their steam page to say, let me in. And then it let me in. And, um, this is the game. You remember they put the trailer out and it was like, you're collecting Sonic the Hedgehog figures and, and everything else. I, I, Oh man. Hyenas. So the idea here is that you are going onto some kind of ship that is full of earth artifacts. And so the flow of the game is you get to a location and you shoot a bunch of robotic enemies and then you eventually crack into a vault and in the vault is the the things you're attempting to pick up and when you've picked up enough of it you can leave and you can either do that by default it has you first starting to do it uh as part of a three person team and that's it but in the main kind of real mode there will be other teams of human players attempting to do the same thing and so you will have to try to beat them and fuck them over and and whatever else um and it's something like it is every piece of and they call it merch the stuff you're collecting they're just like you got to get in there and get that merch and in the tutorial they use the word merch like 
fucking 50 times in a row over the course of like five minutes. And you're like, oh God, I can't, I can't, you've broken the word merch for me. Um, and you're like, you got to get into the merch vaults. You got to get enough clout to escape. And like, there's everything about the lingo in it is um, like they're trying to do this very cynical take on, you know, it's like it's they're trying. It's this game where you, you know, already have two currencies, uh, one to buy skins and one to buy emotes and, you know, and, and leveling up your character and all this other stuff. And then it's also trying to be like, billionaires are bad. We got to steal from them. And it's, it just has this astounding lack of authenticity uh that is amazing it doesn't feel like that's necessarily the intended effect but playing it i'm like i can't believe this i cannot believe this is the thing that you like this is what you wrote and this is what you you know it's a multiplayer game so it's not necessarily going to have like it's probably won't you know and again this is a closed beta so when it comes out who knows but it, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing is going to necessarily have a ton of story or whatever but like it's a game where they they have uh on the healing machine you go to to heal it's it says like you know there's like a holographic projection that appears on the front of the machine or something and it says like one weird trick to stay alive and then like the teleport the 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 portals you go into to teleport as you get close to them user reviews for the portal will pop up and you can read the little, you know, it's just like decoration, but it's like, that's the, they tried to, it's like, they've tried to internet it up and be like, Oh man, what if we, what if there were user reviews of the teleporter and they they didn't like it because it took them apart or, you know, it's it's like, what if people died in the healing machine? It's like this sub borderlands level of like, internet type comedy that, that doesn't it's it's not even that's that's like a being generous about it it's not it's not like they said like here's a bunch of memes or whatever instead it's just like this it's like the language of marketing that they have attempted to, to turn on its head in a way that is like we're poking fun at it but like also your your the rest of your game is doing it very poorly too the parts the parts where you are not intending to be joking don't work either and so it's this weird it's fucking weird and so all the stuff you're collecting is all like 80s shit um i guess not all yeah so like when you go and get the merch and then you escape it'll say things like you got a rubik's cube t-shirt uh or you got a um you got a, 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 a Wham t-shirt or a Wham record or you got Funky Town by Lips Incorporated on vinyl and it's like you can't go listen to this stuff. I don't think the t-shirts are t-shirts you can wear in game. Uh, there are, you, you, it's like you found an Atari 2600. Uh, you found a copy of Centipede for the Atari 2600. And so it's like all this weird, again, all this weird 80s shit. 
And 90s, I suppose, because you find a Sonic the Hedgehog plush. Um, and so it's this bizarre, like, and, and some of it comes from different companies, so they had to go and license stuff um, to get these things in the game, I'm sure. Because, again, it's not like you can go listen to Careless Whisper. It's just a record that says, you got Careless Whisper by Wham! And maybe in the full game, some of those songs will end up being in there or something, but I sincerely doubt it. Um, and I had just the vibes on it are fucking rancid <laughs> as, as you're collecting this shit. And then you can, you can sell it or turn it into rep when you're out of mission. And so that you can use it to fill up different meters or, or, or whatever else. And it's, it's sad. The thing that made me the saddest playing hyenas is when you spawn in for the tutorial, but also in some places around the ship, you will see arcade machines and there's a lot of them it's outrun there's hot rod uh thunder blade since they went and talked to atari and got a license from them there's a centipede cabinet in there too it's, it's like you see all these great classic video games and there's just like static screenshots pasted on them they don't animate or, or anything like that um Raven asks, is the Atari Hotel in it? The whole game feels like it's set inside a space version of the Atari Hotel. You could envision how shitty the Atari Hotel would be. It's this. Um, except it has big central areas with no gravity. And so you can all, there's areas where you float through it. Um, shooting feels okay. There's a little bit of Apex Legends in there in terms of like your quickly finding weapon attachments and shield re replenishment and health replenishment. And, and so there's little, little bits and pieces of it. That you, you see some apex in there as well. Um, but it's, uh, I, I just, everything about the look of it, everything about the style of it is, uh, it just seems off base in a way that you're like, I, this is, I mean, I think that, you know, I think old arcade cabinets are cool. I like a Rubik's cube. Like all the stuff in there is stuff that I'm not necessarily, all the, the licensed stuff they've thrown into hyenas is not necessarily stuff that I hate or whatever, but the way it is used as such like window dressing and like a, in your face, like look at this list of stuff you found that you can't really interact with in any meaningful way. It's just a list of, of things you found as if you're going to look at it and go, Oh, it's a, I had this record when I was a kid. Oh, look at that. It's an Atari. I had an Atari. I had a, it's an, it's an old school Atari. I had an old school Atari. I remember that. And there's nothing else to it. It's just like, look at this picture of this Atari. You collected one. Now you have one and you can turn it into five rep points. And so it's the most empty. This like very, again, very cynical feeling take on nostalgia where they're just like, here's a list. I don't know. There's some pictures with it too. You can look at a picture of a Rubik's Cube t-shirt. Can you put it on your character? No, because we're selling skins for much more money than that. And maybe some of the skins will be a Rubik's Cube t-shirt, but you'll probably have to pay money for those. I don't know. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's a class-based shooter, teams of three. Um, I don't think it's very good. It feels bad. I, well, okay. I guess I should, I should actually elaborate on that. I think the again the the shooting and movement and whatever else in terms of how it handles the zero g stuff is fine. It that stuff doesn't feel bad, but the style of the game and all of the 
out of game here's how you're going to level up these different class-based characters and here's the you know it does the apex legends thing of you're going to be the third player to pick on your team so if someone else picks your character you have to pick someone else and blah blah you know like and yeah i i just i i think that aspect of the game just seems crummy like they they sat down and said this game needs some kind of style and they have not <laughs> they have not found a good one it has the opposite of of style it has a style with a negative amount of whys i guess i would say um the other thing i i got access to sandbox that's s ampersand box that is the follow up to gary's mod from face punch the maker makers of gary's mod and uh it's cool. You know, I'm I'm never going to make anything in it, but it's it's like this big source engine toolbox and people are making more and more things with it. I guess they're opening it up and trying to get a few more people into it. Um and it seems like something that will kind of do the stuff that you've known Gary's mod for, but also people have made Flappy Bird in it, like a multiplayer Flappy Bird apparently. Um there's an idol game, there's like a first person idol game in there. And, um, a, just a cool variety of, I was playing a kind of vampire survivors knockoff this morning. I believe it's called sausage survivors. It's not great. Um, but it has, you know, the ability to have kind of a lot of the game modes and different stuff that Gary's mod had. So traditional kind of first person shooting, you know, kind of all the source two stuff, but then people are also making interesting, more elaborate, but I guess the, the, kind of coolest thing about it is that uh when you open it up it just prevents you with a list of different games that and modes that people have made it's got a really clean like you know it's it's something more than steam workshop support it's like here's you know here's the stuff that people are doing right now so you can see like oh 60 people are playing this i can go jump on a server here like you can get a server list of all of the stuff uh that anyone is doing inside of sandbox uh and so you can go, oh, here's the active server. Everyone's playing terrorist town, whatever, trouble in terrorist town. Let's go get into that. Everyone's playing prop hunt right now. Let's go play prop hunt. And it will, you know, download the files automatically and up to date and, and, and whatever else. And and I think it's, it's neat. It's neat as, uh, as someone who I sunk hundreds of hours into Gary's mod uh, and lived to tell the tale but I never really got into like all the other modes people were making. Like I just, I would just kind of get in, get into a big flat map, get onto flat grass and just construct a bunch of weird shit and then fly it around for a while. And then, you know, some friends of mine would do that on a server and we would fuck around and then someone would eventually crash the server because it did not take much to crash the server in Gary's mod. Um, and so it's it's cool, man. I don't know. It, it's it's neat to see it it coming along. Uh, it feels like it's been a while. I mean, they, that thing's been in some kind of preview development for a good long time. Um, but you know, it, it feels like no one has really been talking about. It. Maybe I'll stream some of it this week if you want to see some sandbox. We'll take a look at what's there. I mean, I'm not a source modder, so I'm not going to make anything, but I can at least show you a few things. Um. And we can, I don't know, fuck around with it a little bit. Um, yeah. So I, I've been messing with that. 
and I've been playing the kind of shitty idle game in that, predictably. Uh, and you can connect to a 16-player server and just idle with other people. And it's got, you know, it's got the Source Engine stuff, so you can text chat or voice chat, I guess, if you if you want. Uh, and do all that. Why don't we get into the news? Volition made it to 30 years and then was closed immediately. The Embracer Group shut down Volition last week. Uh, obviously, we know that... Um, the Embracer Group had uh, been out there saying that they were going to do some layoffs and they were going to do some restructuring and they were going to do this and that. Um, and they had, they weren't super specific on what form those changes would take other than like, hey, some, some jobs are going to be lost as a part of this process. And then they waited for the morning that the Starfield uh, review embargo was up and then shut down Volition. Are those things connected? I don't know. Do I know that some people in the past over the years have waited for a big news hit to try to announce their bad news around the same time to try to get people to to forget about it. It's definitely happened before. Uh, so they had just celebrated their 30 year anniversary. This is, you know, if you think about the full 30 years of volition, it starts with them being, I guess it's Parallax Software, the creators of Descent. And then as Descent grew, they split into two teams. There was Parallax and there was Outrage Entertainment, which is a ridiculous name to, th- to think about in the year 2023. Um, and Parallax became Volition. Volition would go on to create the Red Faction series. They would go on to create the Saints Row series. Um, and, you know, they had, I feel like they hit some really good high watermarks there with, with the Saints Row games and uh, the, the I mean, Red Faction Guerrilla, really. Not the game that came after it that was based on the Sci-Fi Channel show that was all underground. That was less good. And then the Red Faction games that came before it were cool because the Geomod technology was really neat at the time on PlayStation 2. You know, they did Summoner. That magic missile video. <laughs> you know? Like, uh, that's Volition, right? Um, they hit some... They hit a real rough patch. Post Saints Row 4, you know, they put out Agents of Mayhem. Um, you know, the Saints Row DLC was, was rough in spots. They had some games that got canceled. They were owned by THQ and THQ went out of business. So there was games that got canceled in the middle of all of that. Um, the Saints Row games, the the Saints Row three and four got re-releases and those were okay, uh, for what they were. I think it'll, I, I think what those re-releases did is show that it's, you know, the the comedy in those games, it's, it could be hard. It's hard to go home again to some of that stuff. And I think that was, like, playing those games has is really what kind of set me in the direction of, like, no, if they're going to reboot Saints Row, it absolutely has to be different. 
um, because they did that already and they need to do something different. And also like at, at some point like that, you, you play it and you're like, this was really funny 15 years ago. And it's not like it's aged in a way that is like, this is so offensive. You know, it's nothing dumb like that. It's just like, yeah, you know, the style of comedy that is, you know, like it just, it's, this is not it anymore. Um, and so, you know, they become, they work as nostalgia pieces. Agents of Mayhem was a bad game out of the gate. I remember going and playing it at E3 and coming away from it going like, I don't know why, I don't know why they're doing this. It's like, it's kind of set in the Saints Row universe, but you're playing as the cops or whatever. And it's just like, I, th- it just, it was not a, like from a, 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 a gameplay perspective, it was not engaging from a story and character perspective. It was way worse. Um, and so, you know, I, I think they just, they hit a rough patch. I think that that, you know, the Saints Row reboot, um, was boring. It was a dull game and that's the, that's maybe the, the, the worst thing you could say about a, a Saints Row game is that they put it out and you're like, yeah, this, this is not. Like these scenarios are not engaging. The, the 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 gameplay is is flat. The characters they didn't capitalize on it as well as they could. It was pretty buggy at launch. They ironed some of that out, I guess. But like I remember having a pretty nasty time with it. Um, technically, at launch. Um, I think that there's, you know, there's like the, the, they, I don't know if they hedged their bets or whatever you want to call it, but like the, they didn't go far enough when they, they wrote new characters, they wrote a new style of comedy and there were moments in there that you're like, I see something here, but like they didn't go all the way with it. It just didn't, it didn't carve out its own identity well enough is probably the, the problem with the, the most recent saints row in terms of just like a writing and, and character perspective. And people tried to glom onto it as some kind of like, Oh, it's zoomer saints, you know, whatever, the, whatever the fuck that even fucking means. Um, like, it's just like, it just sounds like ancient white men going like these hipsters and their tight pants. They made a tight pants saints row for these hipsters. You know, I, I don't even know what the fuck they're getting at. It's fucking insane. Um, it's the, but it's just at the end of the day, the game is not funny. Um, and I think that they could have gone a lot further with the, the stuff they had those characters do. And, you know, there's like, there's sitcom moments with that squad of characters where they're just like their roommates. Um, and, uh, there's bits there where you go like, okay, there's something, if, if they went, a little further on this and went a little bit like there, I think there's stuff there that they could have, um, like the core of the idea is not necessarily bad. It's just, they just didn't execute on it. And then the gameplay is not, again, not, not fun, not engaging. And so you end up with a thing where you're like, okay, this, this, by the time you got to the end of saints row four, the storyline dictated that you had to do something else. Also by the end of saints row four, from a gameplay perspective, I was super fucking done with those games. Like saints row. The third is an incredible game. Saints row four is a really funny expansion on it though. You know, that game is kind of an expansion turned into a full game. 
Um, in fact, I believe it is exactly that that Saints Row 4 started as DLC for Saints Row 3. Um, and so Saints Row 4 ends in a way where you basically have to fucking walk away from it because by the end of Saints Row 4, you're, you can fly. Like, it's become this amazing, like, uh, thought experiment on power fantasy in games. It's, 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 you know, it's riffed on everything from mass effect, fucking romance options to, you know, like they, they just, they, they took the open world game genre and just broke it apart. They said, fuck this. We have, uh, we have completely gone so far over the top in terms of how powerful you become in this game and how dominant you become over the enemies that it's just absurd and it worked. It was super fun because like, even though it was not necessarily challenging by the time you were flying around the world, like it made crackdown look fucking tame by comparison. That's how fucking wild the powers went. Like that is crackdown three, if anything. Um, but it got to a point with it where you're like, by the end of it, you're like, okay, yeah, I don't like the, the, these characters, this style of comedy, this, like everything they went, everything they went and did here, they had a very good time. They had the right game with the right writing at the right t- point in time. And all of it came together uh, in a superb way. In a way that like, you know, they struck fucking oil. They they lightning struck twice with Saints Row 3 and 4, I guess. Um, But by the end of that, it was done. You could not have made a Saints Row 5 that was just like more of that. And if you had made a Saints Row 5 and had it be like the same characters, but like, now we're not in the simulation, so I can't fly anymore. I'd be like, well, this is fucking boring. So they needed time away. And so I get why an Agents of Mayhem would have happened like conceptually. It's just not a good product. And so when they finally came back around to Saints Row, like you like to think like, well, hopefully they've got a really good reason to dust it off other than it makes money. Uh, because you, you, re- and, and you have to throw all that stuff away. If they had put out Saints Row, like, here's Johnny Gad again. Like Johnny Gad is the worst character in that entire fucking franchise. Johnny Gad is the one case of that where you're like, oh, this is like some real meathead fucking stupid ass bullshit. Like this isn't actually even funny. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, there's some, just some fucking real cornball shit with that character. Just dumb. Um, So I I guess like that's my long-winded way of saying, I guess I'm not that surprised that this happened because Embracer, we already knew that they, some deal went south on them for to the tune of billions of dollars and that they were going to have to make cuts and they were going to have to do this and that. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I guess I didn't necessarily think that they would straight up close a studio, especially one that had shipped a game. It's more than you can say for some of the other purchases they've made but uh you know they moved around a little bit they put volition under gearbox and i guess there were even more layoffs at gearbox publishing the publishing end of gearbox i suppose um and so it was we kicked around a little bit where it was part of deep silver and what you know a lot of the a lot of the whatever the different business units of what are now embracer it probably doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things um, 
but very unceremonious and and very like hey effective immediately this studio is closed not a wind down not a you know and someone pointed out like oh if they shut it down at the end of the month like this that means they can say you have one more day of health care i don't know if they took care of people or not um but i saw some speculation that like oh by doing it on like the 29th or whatever they're not gonna have to foot the bill for another month of health care for these people which is um shitty so it's it's a fucking bummer i i think that that's you know there's a there's a long history there and i think yeah man i don't know there's a long history there and it sucks and obviously a lot of people are out of work and that's fucking terrible um And then I think, you know, if you look at their record in the last handful of games they put out, you know, and and most of that work was not done under Embracer. Uh, again, I think you look at the one-two punch of like an Agents of Mayhem and then the Saints Row reboot and you just go like, okay. These, these are not, these are not good games. What's next? And maybe they didn't have a good answer to what's next. Or maybe Embracer is going to end up being so fucking desperate here that they're going to be cutting and running on a lot of the shit they bought. This is the, as Embracer was collecting studios, going around buying everything up with the the Saudi money that they had secured. uh, I saw a a number of people, um, you know, in and around the industry kind of looking at it and going like, you know, it's really, I've talked about it before, but it was like, you know, Embracer was making a big deal about, or, you know, people that were there like, oh yeah, Embracer brought, bought us and nothing changed. We're running exactly the same way we were before. And it's, it's, yeah, this is great. Uh, but like, that's an inefficient way to run. Not, not to be too brutal on it, but like, you know, the, the reason companies buy other companies is so that they can find those redundancies and say, oh, if we, if we cut 10% off of this workforce, but because we can centralize things like HR and payroll and blah, 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 then these games become profitable or these games become more profitable or we can do this or we can put more money into this and do this and, you know, uh, and and so that's that's usually how that and why that stuff happens and so the idea so, so i think that is a long that is my way of saying i think a lot of people have been looking at embracer as a ticking time bomb for a very long time it's a fucking terrible situation but again it's not the most surprising one someone in chat asking i wonder why volition wasn't sold off uh because they can still own the ip because uh, they they put out a statement saying, ah, these the IPs of Volition will live on it uh, at play on, which is I don't even know what that you know, like the, the some aspect of the the technology or IP or whatever or both will will live on under some different name, which that's not you know that just means we still own the IP. It's not like they're gonna go oh we're gonna we're gonna fix the Saints Row reboot like no no one's gonna touch that thing ever again right I mean they. They put they put out all their DLC, right? Did they did they complete the season pass, or does it have to have you know? Because unless there's unless they're signed up to make something, unless they're on the hook to make more DLC, then no, they don't they don't have to do that. So instead, 
yeah, you know, in theory, there may be another Saints Row game at some point or, you know, some other thing they could do with the IP. Also, who would buy it is the other question. Like the Volition has kicked around the industry a handful of times now. Like, sure, for the right price, someone would pick it up. But on the end of Saints Row doing what it did, and, you know, I'm sure it probably turned some kind of profit, Um, you know, are, are people lining up to acquire it and, and take on all that talent and be like, well, I guess we have a studio in the Midwest now. Like, okay, are we going to make them move to our building or are we going to like, do we care? Like what, you know, like going through all that stuff, like, you know, Activision going to pick them up and well, you guys could make some call of duty maps, right? I don't know. Um, So, yeah, you know, maybe in another and and I think coming out of the Call of Duty reboot, my thought was. This franchise is done. For a good long time, you waited a long time and you rebooted it. And the reboot did not. Succeed. Well, whatever it defines success, right? And again, you know, it's probably a game that. That. Uh turned some kind of small profit, but not probably not what it was forecasted. Um, you know, what, what do you, yeah. How, what do you, what do you do from there? Um, sucks. It sucks. That's the, you know, the, canonically that is the descent team. You know, that is, that is the, the house that built descent. They were working on Descent 4 at one point, and that never came out. I guess maybe it eventually, well, whatever it is. You know. um, ah. So pour one out. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's fucking sad. It's, it's, uh, it's a fucking terrible situation. I remember when THQ was shutting down seeing a picture of someone, I, I think I mentioned this before, but seeing a, a photo of someone who was in PR posted a picture of them in front of the now closed or the, the closing THQ building with a Saints Row branded 40. I think this went, they made the stickers and they just put stickers on. You know, they didn't go get custom 40s made, but they they got stickers made for Saints Row 40s. And I was pulling a, a sp- sp- spilling a, a 40 of Saints Row malt liquor out on the steps in front of THQ. Um, and I'm reminded of that moment here now. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a grimy business and the, the embracer stuff, like I said, it just hasn't felt right for a good long time. And this is why. So it feels shitty to be, Again, not that I expected it to happen to Volition or not that I expected it to fully shut down Volition. But you eventually look at it and go like, okay, yeah, Embracer's going to have to shut some of these teams down completely. And then what? Then what? Are they just an IP clearinghouse? Do they end up like, you know, are they like the Western Konami? Like, well, we went around and yeah, we own all this stuff, Tomb Raider and this and that. And ah, we're done with games. We're getting into... I don't know. Hardcore pornography. That's where the money is. That's not, that is not, that is not where the money is. In fact, 
where the money is it's in playstation plus subscriptions apparently uh today is the last day to get playstation plus subscriptions um at the uh, old price they're going up tomorrow there will be some kind of um so if yeah if you're if your renewal is set to happen before november 6th your renewal will still come in at the old price that for this year um but the anything after that you will uh you will have to deal with new prices these uh These prices are not awesome. I had the... I don't know why this is... I had the PlayStation blog post up about it. Anyway, here... I have Polygon story up here. Basically, the three tiers of PlayStation Plus are going up. All of them are going up. The Essential subscription, which is the one that was like the, the PlayStation Plus subscription they have been offering for years now, that is going from $60 to $80. These are in United States dollars. And I don't know the differences between the other two tiers. I'm sorry. PlayStation Plus Extra is going from $100 to $135. And PlayStation Plus Premium, the top tier, is going from $120 a year to $160 a year. This price adjustment will enable us to continue bringing high-quality games and value-added benefits to your PlayStation Plus subscription service. Is how they have built the changes. Um, and that's all they've said about it. And those again, those prices take effect tomorrow. So, if you are a person who has decided that you need PlayStation Plus in your life, you can go, I went to the website, you can do this on their website, you go to store.playstation.com and find the subscription tab and whatever. You can you can buy an extra year, you could buy an extra few years I think if you wanted to right now at the old prices. If you're not if you're not instead going, fuck this I'm going to cancel um, then you could, you could lock in at the old price if you so desire. Um I, they they have not again. They have not really said what's driving this, other than what the, you know. The price adjustment will enable us to continue bringing high quality games and value added benefits to your PlayStation Plus subscription service. I think that sucks. I think that their subscription service, their their three tiered approach, I have not found it to be especially useful. I have been on the highest tier for at least the past year or so. Um, I do not. I do not see the value in that top tier subscription. Uh, I do think that going from 60 to $80 for people who just want to play games online sucks. That's a wild price. That's a crazy, you know, Hey, give us $80 a year. If you want to play games online, the idea that they have not, and of course they, why would they offer a budget tier that doesn't include the PlayStation plus, games or whatever and is just the online the reason they don't do it is because people would go for it people would go obviously people would definitely go for the lowest tier subscription if they said oh we'll do a we'll do a 40 dollar a year subscription or 60 dollars you know for people that uh 
just want to play games online and don't want to have PlayStation Plus games or, or whatever else. Like that. Why offer that? People would actually do it. Instead, you can pay anywhere from $80 to $160. Those are the annual prices, of course, if you're paying the monthly prices or the three month prices or whatever. Those are, uh, I believe, even higher. Um, this feels bad. This, th- for as much as the, because, you know, uh, the Xbox just went through its weird, like, merging, rebranding of services to say, like, oh, we're going to get rid of the Xbox Live Gold. Instead, it's going to be Game Pass Essential plus Gold Online, you know, like, their weird kind of song and dance of of kind of reconfiguring their subscription offerings, which doesn't feel like it went far enough to be like a nice, easy to understand thing. Um, I don't know. Did Sony see that and go, great, we can do that too. Are, are, are they, you know, and, uh, what the, the games for, <laughs> So they're raising prices to, to, in order to bring high quality games and value added benefits to your service. What are the games for September? That's the other part of this announcement headlining the free, the, the PlayStation plus games for September, the saints row reboot. Black desert traveler edition and generation zero. So there you go. I don't know. I, 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 this was something that came up because of a lot of the, the Activision and Microsoft merger talk was around just how much money Sony really makes off of call of duty because of the number of PlayStation plus subscriptions that they sell to people who want to play multiplayer call of duty. And that things like that, situations like that, where they're just like, we would never get rid of it. It makes us way too much fucking money to ever get rid of it. Um, you know, is is why things are still this way. We talked about that a little bit last week. I just, I, the idea that we are, that, that like this is still. The games have come together. I think you need to understand if you don't remember. The gaming landscape, every platform felt fucking separate. Even when, you know, games were getting released on multiple platforms, the PC felt like this thing that was over here. And so when they started charging for Xbox Live but didn't charge on PC, that didn't seem that far out of whack because the PC seemed like such a different fucking thing with different types of games, generally speaking. And the console ports that showed up on PC were usually fucking dog shit controller support on the PC was still kind of fucked. It just wasn't what it is today. Now we live in a world where games are fucking cross play and people on the PC who are not paying a monthly fee can happily play their games with console players who most definitely are. And so that discrepancy has just been weirder and weirder as time goes on. And as the platforms converge, into this single point of like the same games come out everywhere. Even a game like Baldur's Gate, which you would never have said like, well, that's coming to console. Like even that's coming to console. Everything's fucking coming everywhere. Everything's coming all over the place because they need to get, make as much money as they possibly can. So they release it everywhere. And so 
this just feels worse and worse every time. As the months go on, the, the mere idea that all three now, I, I often leave Nintendo out of this because I'm not playing online games on a Switch. Uh, all three of the platforms are charging for online play on consoles. Um, and it's fucking crazy. And it's crazy that they've gone more in that direction and not less given the way that the landscape is, you know, again, converging and, and, and everything else. And so I, I just, it's a goddamn shame. I think it's disgusting in a lot of ways. Uh, but again, Every, the, these companies are making way too much money on this subscription offering to just kill it. To just say, hey, we've made online free. Like Microsoft, do you, Microsoft would love, I'm sure, the perceived uh, hearts and minds victory. Like if, if Microsoft came out tomorrow and said, we are dropping our online requirement and we are doubling down on Game Pass and we are doubling down on the quality of games we're offering there. We will still offer a subscription service with as many benefits as we can, but you can just play games online now. Fuck it. Um, it would, it, I think that could be a game changer in a lot of ways, but they make too much fucking money off of it. They're not running a charity. They're running a goddamn business. So they can't look at that and go, well, if we throw away this many millions of dollars, uh, well, people on the internet will pat us on the back and say, add a boy. That ain't enough anymore. They can't fucking do that. <laughs> um, and so we live in this situation where, you know, there's this huge discrepancy across the platforms and, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that makes the PC a better and better deal all the time. I think, you know, you pay more upfront, but steam sales generally seem like they're better and more interesting than the sales on consoles. Still the sales on consoles have gotten a lot better. A lot better. And, um, you know, obviously if you want to spend a bunch of additional money, you can get a much more powerful PC and, and it will theoretically run games a lot, a lot better, but, but that's a, a very big investment. Like that's, that's one of those like, okay, like that's the, the electric car thing of like, okay, well you don't have to spend money on gas, but the car is more expensive and that's not, and that's not purely the case these days, but it was. Um, of like you pay way more upfront and then you eventually make all that money back over time. It's the theory anyway, but, uh, I don't know. That's, that's the, the conundrum of the gaming business right now is this stuff and $80 for their lowest tier of subscription service is crazy yeah and again yeah if you want a console that matches it's a good point like you don't have to go out and spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on the latest technology on a pc you know if you wanted something that basically ran around as well as these current consoles do a little bit better it's it will be more expensive but it will not be dramatically more expensive Yeah, if you went out and spent a grand on a PC, you would be in amazing shape. 
If you spent fifteen hundred, you'd be you'd be fucking blown away compared to what the current consoles can do. I think. Uh, but yeah, uh, very funny to raise the prices and say we've got to keep the quality up, and then and then have the lead game for that month be Saints Row. I mean, I guess that means like, hey, maybe the way to look at this is, oh man. Saints Row is our number one game. We have to raise prices, you guys. Like, if next month's games are all fucking... What would they even have to be? Like, you know, if they were raising prices and saying now all of our games are appearing day one on our service, I think you'd be like, well, that's more money, and eh, but okay. I'll subscribe to the highest tier in order to get all of the first-party PlayStation games. That's That's still something I would probably do. Um, feels bad. Feels bad, but I. But also, I, I, what do you, what are you gonna do about it? If you're a PlayStation owner and you want to continue to play video games online, are you gonna sell your PlayStation and then get an Xbox where they are also charging for this? I, I mean, it's there is no escape. Unless you end up going on a PC, which, as we discussed, is not going to be something that everyone's going to be able to do. Lay out that money up front and blah, 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 blah. Like, what are people supposed to do? Just be like, well, I'm just not going to play games anymore. That's not an option. Come on now. Um, maybe they're getting all this money in because they know they're going to have to pay the actors and stuff more money. SAG-AFTRA is... Uh, potentially looking into uh, a strike against the video game industry. Their contracts are coming up for renegotiation in terms of, you know, voice acting and likeness and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, SAG-AFTRA, according to videogameschronicle.com, is looking for an 11% increase in wages, uh, which is the same amount of money they're looking to get from the film and television industry. Uh, They also want protection from you know, AI uh, recreations of voice actors, voices and likenesses and and what have you. Um, and so they sent around something. They sent around a strike authorization vote, which is not to say we're definitely going to strike. It is a, hey, if shit goes bad, we might have to strike. What do you think? Um. And this is, uh, the, uh, these are negotiations with a, a relatively smallish, you know, this is not the entire game industry because the entire game industry is not united on fucking anything. <laughs> um, but it is, uh, negotiations with most of the biggest companies involved, you know, Activision, EA, Epic, Insomniac, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, Disney. Um, so a lot of the, the bigger, uh, bigger third-party publishers are a part of this, um, a part of this negotiation. And uh, yes, the vote, the votes will, are being held right now, this month. The votes uh, will be held between the 5th and the 25th. So we will see. Um, they should get paid by the film and TV industry, by the video game industry. Like, you know, the, these amounts of money that they're looking for are not... And the the protection against voices and likenesses being used, I think, you know, I would look at that as like, um, you know, maybe you don't do blanket contracts for uh, AI voice work, but maybe you do one-off 
contracts for, you know, think about live games and think about situations where you might want to get a voice actor back in the studio that, that can't be bothered. You know, is there a scenario where you take that person and say, we want you to come in and record all these lines of dialogue for our launch product. And then we would like to make a voice print of your voice that we can use in the years ahead. Um, we would love to get you back in. And if we get you back in, we would do it for this price. And if they, we, you know, if we can't do it, we'll, we'll make good faith negotiations to get back in here. But in, in situations where we need to make adjustments or timing or whatever, we would like the rights to do that in this very limited way in this product, not in nine more products down the line, not, but in, in this specific way, we will pay you this for this. I think that is probably how that eventually works out is that there is some kind of framework for contracts in place. Um, for those sorts of things. I think that that's, that's how I would probably, because, you know, the, we have situations where a voice actor isn't available. Um, and they're, they voiced a character in a game and the game is moving forward. And what do we do? Do we recast that? I mean, that, that has happened. We're even like, oh, we, we've recast this entire character. Or if they pass away, I, that that's something I I think is an entirely different situation because I don't think I would not want to hear AI Lance Reddick in the rest of Destiny. That would be distracting. That would be I think as the makers of if, if I were making Destiny, if I worked at Bungie, I would say no. Why we don't we don't want to do that. Even if the framework was in place where he agreed to it and said yes, and, and you can do this, and then he absolutely mm. like that. That is, I think, uh, you know, again, even even if money is changing hands, it's going to his estate or what, you know, whatever. But like, I, I I don't think that would be the right thing to do for the game. I think that the, again. At best, it's a distraction from people who go like, Ugh. and at worst, it is creepy and weird and gross and all that other stuff. Even if, you know, again, if, if plenty of money is changing hands and everyone signed off on contracts to do that, it's not like someone going rogue and being like, we made a voice, he, 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 you know, anything dumb like that. Um, That's a whole different set of lawsuits and shit. But um, yeah, you, you know, you would do what they did. You'd replace the voice. And uh, we'll see. Hey, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing you know, with Keith David in there and what, what ends up happening long-term. But, um, I think, you know, generated voices in a game where you're generating, you know, there's, there's interesting implications for that. Like I think, you know, writing all of off the entirety of the technology and stuff, I think as long as the people involved are getting paid and they're signing off on it and they are, they have choices about how they do it and why they do it. Um, as long as, as long as everyone involved is on the same page and, and making agreements to that, then, you know, I can still think it's creepy, but you know, if they're all agreeing to it, then, uh, then I think it's, that's a, a different scenario than some of the other ones we've discussed when it comes to implementations of this technology. Um, According to VideoGamesChronicle.com, uh, the ESRB has posted a listing for a game called Beyond Good and Evil 20th Anniversary Edition. 
And uh, that's not a huge story. It was more that I had to stop and think like, wait a minute, what are they, what anniversary are they celebrating it here? Is, is it the release of Beyond Good and Evil or is it the announcement of, is this the, is it been 20 years since the announcement of Beyond Good and Evil 2? Is that what we're doing? Um, turns out Beyond Good and Evil came out in 2003. They've already remade uh, Beyond Good and Evil. You remember they did Beyond Good and Evil HD, I believe on 360? Um, and so, yeah, uh, if this is to be believed, then they are working on a, another version of beyond good and evil one, which was a cool game. Um, it's like a Zelda game with a camera. How about that? It's like, uh, I, I, like, I remember that game as being like a fairly decent legend of Zelda style game but you had a cool hovercraft and you had a camera and the story was pretty good. It was entertaining. I, it's not something that I would say is maybe, well, I don't know. It, it, it gained a cult status. I don't know. People, people loved it. Uh, so I'm not going to take that away from them, but I will say I, I thought it was really good and not something that we, I thought we would ever be talking about 20 years later. How about that? But here we are. Maybe this will be the thing that finally stokes enough interest to get Beyond Good and Evil 2 to pick up. Or I This, uh, you know, also... The, the development of Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been a, a mess as well. You know, it's... Obviously, is that ever going to come out? Is Joseph Gordon-Levitt out there, like, right? You know, like we're listening to music that were submitted by people and going like, "Ah, this is the sickest NFT I've ever heard." Like, what? probably at one point they said what if we could make this game one big nft and one big blockchain thing and then started moving in that direction and then when all the blockchain stuff fucking all the wheels fell off of it they were like uh shit (laughs) or maybe other games keep coming out yeah yeah it was you know it was supposed to be this big space exploration thing maybe when no man's sky came out they took a look at it and went oh fuck Um, I, I don't, that is, yes, the, the creative director on the game passed away last month. I don't know if he was still working on the game or not. That, that was unclear, but yes, there's, there's a lot of things have befallen, um, beyond good and evil too, I suppose. Uh, yeah, hard to believe. Uh, Spring Break My Heart in chat says, No Man's Sky came out in 2016. Hard to believe that that's been, it's been seven years since that thing came out. Remember how great, I, you know, I remember they, they, I remember going to the hotel next door to the office and um, sitting with the people at Hello Games and, and saying like, well, I love Joe Danger. What do you got next? And then seeing the demo for this and going, huh? oh yeah? Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. This is 
fucking nuts. And they were, you know, kind of like generating planets and doing all this stuff. And it was like, oh, this is wild. Um, you doing Joe Danger 3 over? No. The space game, huh? Well, I'll tell you. I really like the Joe Danger games. So you're going to have to do something pretty special. Oh, okay. You're, you got a weird infinite space. Okay, got it. Um, and then when Sony picked up the publishing rights and the wheels fell off because <laughs> Sony started marketing it, uh, well, shit, man. I mean, you know, corollaries to Starfield, I suppose. Um, Sony was very protective of how it was shown. Sony said a lot of things about that game. Um, because they were doing the publishing. They they marketed that game in a way that felt disingenuous. And the game suffered for it, obviously. The game, I, I was not a huge fan of the game at launch. I remember playing quite a bit of it and going like, this is, there's like not enough here. Um, they took that to heart and have spent the last seven years now putting an insane amount of things into no man's sky. Uh, and every time I see it, every time they put out another trailer about like, here's our next big update. I, I get in there or I, I, I watch it and go, shit, man, I need to, I need to get back into playing no man's sky because at some point I started having a really good time with it. Um, and then fell off of it again. And then uh, every update they put out since then. Yeah. Another one just came out. No one just came out. That game went on to, and, and so I, I, you know, for as much as there were uh, back at launch, Sony did some disingenuous stuff around marketing that game and made it out to be something it wasn't. And, uh, you know, the, the, the team responsible for the game kind of went along for the ride on that one. And maybe they shouldn't have, uh, said some of the things they said as that game was spinning out of control from a hype perspective. Um, you know, mistakes were clearly fucking made. But I wonder, you know, because they had a nice high profile launch and I wonder if that gave them the money that, you know, if that initial seed money of the people buying a game that didn't exist. Um... is what allowed them to get go off to the races and actually do the things that they were doing. Um, I remember getting close to the end of no man's sky back at launch. Um, and then talking, I believe it was Peter Brown who was reviewing it for GameSpot, and he had, he got the rest of the way there before I did. And I remember talking to him about it, about what happened and, and what the, the thing is in that game. And it made me stop playing the game. I was like, I, okay, I don't, I, this is not something I actually need to see. I'm okay. Um, and stopped and just, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and some people really liked what it was putting down. Um, some people got very mad. Um, well, whatever you were all there for that. You probably remember a lot of that. But I, the, the work they've done to that game in the years since, um, it's incredible. 
I started playing that game again back when the outpost stuff got really good and started building a bunch of outposts and doing a bunch of fun shit. Um, I tried playing it in VR, didn't really like it. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I always think about going back to it, uh, but I just, I haven't really... I haven't really jumped back into it. I, I, I keep thinking about it, but I, I always think about like the bases I have and the, you know, the, the stuff, you know, the, the stuff that I, I did on the PlayStation version of the game. Cause I, I played on PlayStation because I was like, well, I, the, all these trophies seem very attainable. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to go and, and try and do that. And, and then just sort of fell off it at some point, but yeah, heck of a thing. Heck of a thing. Just a nothing. I don't think anything like, I can't think of a situation like that in, in any other, uh, you know, like you can think about other turnarounds, like, like when they fixed final fantasy 14 or, or whatever. Um, but the no man's sky situation of like, and by the way, now they're going to keep making more stuff for this game for seven fucking years and they are going to charge zero additional dollars for all of it because the game sold well out of the gate. And even though people were mad, it gave them the ability to put their heads down and deal with their flooded office or whatever else and, and, and get it done, get it out on other platforms. You know, eventually it came to Xbox, uh, obviously, and then just keep going and that the game kept selling well enough for them to just keep going. It's astounding. I think anyone that's still, you know, I, I think there's, there's stuff that we look at from the time when it shipped and you go, Hey, this, this was a shit situation. This was a, this was an unfortunate turn of events here. There are some fingers you can point in a lot of different places, I suppose. But I think anyone that is still holding a grudge on it is weird. <laughs> you know, like we can remember those times and go like, let's make sure, let's hope that that never happens again. Um, but I think anyone that is still just like, oh, I can't believe those guys made me mad seven years ago. It was like, dude, they have earned it back several times over. Um, and I think the, the situation, the, the thing that I, again, I think it was worth being angry at the time. Like, uh, that's not that's not my my point here um because it was deceptive it was you know but but i think again when we look at how that marketing campaign went and how protective sony was of people talking about it and how they talked about it and what they talked about they did not do that game any favors though maybe also by getting people interested in it they did it the ultimate favor of all by getting it to sell better than it would have even if they were lying about it. It's gross. But it's a gross world. Uh, that's about it. You know, there's some some other little bits and pieces. They're rolling out the uh, voice chat monitoring system in Call of Duty as a beta. And I've seen some screenshots of people getting banned for, or getting like voice bans or something in Call of Duty for saying shit and it's always like 
every video I've seen about it so far has been someone on TikTok angry about it. Like, oh, you can't even like all these soft motherfuckers can't handle me on Call of Duty. Look, here's a screenshot. Here's me pointing my phone at my TV because I got banned. Like, yeah, sounds about right. You fucking dipshits. You fucking jackoffs. Oh, can't even handle me doing a little trash talking. You suck ass. You fucking suck ass as a fucking person. You're a shit person. How about that? If that's your, if you're like, oh man, I, I guess I fucking said some fucking weird shit here and, and then got voice banned and, and I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, I guess maybe sometimes kids play this. I guess maybe sometimes this, that like, if you can't have any self-reflection at all about any of it, and if you're like, I can't believe they're infringing on my fun to call people the N word, like, you know, just like, okay, yeah, you, yeah, they should not let you talk in game period. It's just done. Like. But it's it's in beta form right now. It's something that's going to roll out fully alongside the release of Modern Warfare Three. Um, I think and I whatever I think it's fine. I you know because because I, I think that voice chat is dead anyway. I think it, basically at this point anyone's still on voice chat, and maybe that's the the maybe that's a sad thing, right? Maybe it's sad that voice chat is basically dead in gaming because the only people using it are fuckheads like that. That's how it seems sometimes. You know, so maybe we get back to a point where we can kind of reclaim voice chat a little bit, but also, you know, discord and some of the other kind of ways that people voice chat, party chat, whatever you have, like, there's just a lot of people that just don't want to get in public chat. Why would you? I'm not looking to make fucking friends with people online. At least not there. I'm not looking, I'm not coming out of a Call of Duty match going like, that guy had some funny jokes, especially in a game, you know, like every game uh, just rolls lobby after a match anyway. It's not like you're on a Quake 2 server with the same people for six months straight, you know. And so, like, I, you know, it's like, who is, who is voice chat for? Who is, you know, or who is who is public voice chat for? And it's a shame because I think the last Call of Duty with the proximity chat stuff they did in in DMZ and in in the battle royale mode i think is really fascinating because of the idea of like you can kind of like goad people into overextending and be like oh i'm over here and like the the weird trickery of of like oh yeah no i'm totally not going to kill you let's get on the helicopter and get out of here and then you open you know and then and then someone turns on someone and shit jumps off. I think that stuff is really fascinating, but not fascinating enough for me to want to get into voice chat. So I, you know, it's never going to be 2006 again. It's never going to be 2007 ever again. You know, it's never going to be people playing modern warfare and everyone wearing a headset partying up, but staying in public chat. Like that's just never going to happen anymore. Um, and now, you know, discord is rolled into the consoles. Uh, Microsoft is planning to roll out even deeper discord support. 
uh, as part of their update this month or this week, I guess, according to Video Games Chronicle. But this is something that came out for ex- uh, for insiders uh, back in July. But th- basically, you'll be able to stream to Discord servers from your Xbox directly. Um, which is fun. I don't know. Like, I don't really do a lot of it, but I, you know, I have some friends who, who do it, you know, they'll, they'll like, you know, Hey, I'm not going to get on Twitch and stream publicly, but like, here, check this out. Uh, you know, here, check out this moment in this game. I'm going to stream it to you guys for the next 10 minutes or something. Just let me fire this up real quick so I can show you this thing. Um, and it's easy enough to like, launch and and shut down and whatever else that like in the middle of a game you can be like hey, you need to see this and hop in a chat and look at it real quick and then and then you know move on i think that stuff's really cool uh i think that stuff's really fun that uh it, it enables a lot of like new fun experiences of like you know hey look at this you know uh without I'm going to set up a stream and I'm going to stream for three hours. I'm going to do this and do four, four hours here and do this and stream. You know, it's like instead like this game just broke. Look, I'll, I'll here. Let me launch the stream real quick. And then you click like three buttons and it's going. Uh, I think that's rad. Um, and. Uh, yeah. Um. So that stuff's yeah, that, that stuff is, is rolling out to everyone on Xbox this month. And uh and that's cool. And that's it for the news. Why don't we get into a few emails here? Podcast at guard.bike is the email address for you. You can send emails, you can type them out and send them to me, and I will read them. Maybe I should, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I should start doing voicemails. That might be fun. I don't know. Um, anyway, we've got a, a, a fresh batch here, including this one from chop in Vancouver. Have you heard of any reason why Activision decided to turn call of duty DLC into a full release release? Was it because of the Xbox Activision deal? Were they in a wait and see mode? So they didn't want to commit early on to a full release. Um, I don't, I don't know the exact reason other than it's money is probably a safe bet. Um, you know, if you're selling a map pack, if you're like, Hey, here's our year one map pack. And if you want in for the next six seasons of call of duty, you should buy this map pack and you should buy this. And this is the one thing we're selling, you know, selling map packs, uh, has really gone out of style in games. So it would be sort of weird for them to have like a, at the one year mark, we're selling a, a new chunk of multiplayer content. Um, <clears throat> it could also be a situation where they thought they would not have anything ready in time and then realize like, Oh, well, if we, if we get this, if we resource this project this way, then yes, we can have it ready by November. And if we do this campaign, uh, using open world missions instead of uh, tightly designing a bunch of custom cinematic linear missions, then maybe that ends up being cheaper. I think that'll be a, a telling thing. Like if when Modern Warfare 3 comes out, they've talked about these open cinematic missions and how cool they are, or open cinema, whatever. The open mission design that they're they're touting for this campaign, if that ends up just looking like, oh, you you put AI onto the battle Royale map 
and now we're getting from point A to point B, and I guess we have five more ways to go than we did before, then that seems like something that would be less expensive than creating a ton of custom assets, doing a bunch of custom scripting and whatever else for all of these levels that people are only going to see once and never see again. So maybe it's a situation where like, oh, they're they're just repurposing existing map content uh, for this campaign. Which could be cool or it could be not. They're they're pushing it like it's cool, or, but I, I don't know if it's... I, we, we don't actually know if it's repurposing existing content or not. We, we probably won't know until the game is out for real. Um, but yeah, that money is, is the answer. If they can get away with selling you a thing for $70, they will. If they have to put out a DLC pack that's $30, $40 or whatever, and it's just multiplayer maps, that is less money. Period. And it sets a weird trend and, and sets a weird precedent for them to like, oh, well, how often are you going to put these things out now that you're not putting them out every year? Is this going to be the new cadence? Are you putting out a new game every two years and you're going to have a one year anniversary DLC pack? Like what, you know, like people will. People are in the habit of spending that money every October or November. They don't want to break that habit. Activision doesn't want to be the one to break that habit. They would much rather keep you buying the thing that you buy every year and never have you stop and think about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm sure it's, it's little bits and pieces of all of that, but I, I, is my guess, but, uh, we'll see. I wonder, again, I, I wonder if it was a situation where, um, they weren't really sure if they could get a real campaign done. And then they came up with this idea of like these, these open zone, open cinematic whatever's and that 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 ended up changing the the project i don't know if it was something where the the xbox and activision deal influenced it that'd be bad because the whole thing that a lot of those decisions are supposed to be predicated on like we can't make those decisions until the deal closes because what if it doesn't close we don't want to be left in the lurch we don't want to make a mistake so it's, it's hard to say Ben from the UK writes in and says, so I've been without a modern game system for a couple of years now. Other hobbies have taken over the budget and it just hasn't seemed sensible. As you know, there are so many options nowadays for penny pinchers as myself. I'm very interested in the one terabyte Xbox Series S though. And my question is this, is buying a brand new Series S in 2023 foolish? The newish model makes me hopeful but I have a sinking suspicion that I'm not too much time. It will start in not too much time. It will start to struggle with triple a stuff. Well, listen, I think the Xbox series X occasionally struggles with triple a stuff in ways that are not cool. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's potentially an, an issue. I, I think that, you know, the, the Series S is a very cheap price. It's something that you don't have to really spend too much time thinking about, and you could go with Game Pass, and, you know, that that's it becomes a very cost-effective endeavor. Um, you could chalk it out, you know, if you really wanted to think it all the way through, you could start to think about, um, you know, the cost of a similarly outfitted PC and all that other stuff, but I the... The Series S gets the job done. I think if you go look at the the footage of Starfield running on a Series S, um, 
it's fine. Like for the price, it's 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 kind of awesome, right? I mean, it's 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 cool that that thing exists, and so I, I think the Series S gets talked about in in a, you know in a pretty shitty way in most of the circles that I think that we run in around here because it's an audience of people that spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on games every year, uh, by and large. And, um, and so, you know, I think, I think a lot of people kind of look down their nose at the budget products and, and, you know, I've been guilty of that myself at, at times over the years, but like that stuff exists for a reason. So if, you know, if you're at a point where you haven't had a modern game system for a little bit and you're kind of like tiptoeing back in, I could see why you wouldn't want to go whole hog and just go spend the full $500 on a series X or, you know, or go even over the top on a PC or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, when you, when you look at that game running on a series S, when you look at a lot of the, the smaller games that, you know, the in indie games that, that are on game pass and, and you think about the series S as a game pass machine, I think it has a lot going for it. Um, I think there will be some games that come out on it that you're like, uh, this is, this is a subpar experience and it shows, um, a lot of people in chat are saying, oh, you get a series S and then you, you know, you, you pay the $20 to get it into dev mode so that you can install emulators on it. And that makes it a powerhouse of an emulation machine. You know, a lot of people are, are doing that. I'm just one, well, maybe not a lot of people, but people are certainly doing that as well. Um, and I think that that's, that's totally valid. Um, and that's cool too. So you could go down that road and play a ton of old games on it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, again, I, I think, you know, the, the budget price of the series S and again, I, I don't know that we're going to see when we consider that Sony and Microsoft have been going around raising prices on their products lately. I don't think it's going to be a situation where you're going to be like, Oh, I can't believe they cut the price. You know, the, the series S does go on sale. You could wait for a sale. You could potentially find a used one or something. You know, there's, you know, routes you can go to not pay full price for a series S. And I, I might recommend something like that, but, um, but generally speaking, I think it's really hard to, it's really hard to see it right now because you know, the, you have the rumors and the kind of loose talk about a new skew of the PlayStation five coming along. Uh, and then the idea of like, is there going to be a PlayStation five pro coming out? And then Phil Spencer saying multiple times that mid series refreshes are not in, you know, that he's not really seeing it in their future, but also that they don't really see price cuts happening the same way that, that it happened in previous generations and, and everything. So I, I, I look at it as like the series S is very affordable. It's very versatile, especially if you're going to jump through those dev mode hoops, which are not that strenuous to jump through. Uh, and they're pretty cool. And you're interested in getting game pass. I, th- I think that there's, there's uh, a lot there, you know, especially if you've been out of it for a few years, you'll find a lot to come back to. And I think the series S is capable of running a lot of that stuff quite well. So I think if you're, you know, again, you know, if you're not super deep into it anymore and you're kind of like thinking about tiptoeing back in a series S and game pass is pretty fucking solid. Um, especially if you're not, you know, like if you're not looking to run everything at 4k and do all this, you know, it's like the, the, the series S is good at what it's good at. And that's, it's meant to be a, 
you know, like a 1440p-ish sort of machine with less ray tracing, but the games still run. Ray tracing... Not to dig back into the the Starfield talk too much here, um, as far as it being a next generation RPG or not, but it doesn't seem to have any, does not seem to have any ray tracing in it, or at least no ray tracing options that I saw. In fact, I don't even think the PC of the version of the game natively supports HDR, because when I launch it on Windows 11, it pops up and says auto HDR is on. Um. Ray tracing is is like I I'm not gonna sit here and say ray tracing is a scam, but I feel like ray tracing is a really cool technology that just hasn't happened yet. You know what I mean? And I think it's really cool when it when it happens. You know, when when you see it and you you know what you're looking, at, you're like, oh, this is this is really cool. Um, it just doesn't seem vital. A lot of games can, you know, bake their lighting or do whatever they're doing and still look damn fine. Um, so we'll we'll see. I, I think you know ray tracing is the sort of thing that I think is and ends up being a big thing in the years ahead because it will make certain things easier on the development end, I suppose. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's not very next generation of that RPG, I suppose I would say. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the Series S is totally viable. I think you know, like for if you if your use case fits with that, where you're just like, uh, you know, I, I want to get in on a budget and do all this, like totally, totally, man. It's smart that the Series S exists. It's uh, it's a smart thing that they have done in putting that out. <clears throat> Joe in Seattle writes in and says, so I love Game Pass. It rules, but it feels cheesy that Starfield, the biggest Game Pass title yet, isn't actually premiering on Game Pass. That's like, with Game Pass, play Microsoft games on day one. Asterisk, we mean day seven. You have to pay $100 if you want to play on day one. I mean, it's whatever. I don't care. But is it cheesy? It's a weird trend, and it's clearly working for them. So what he's referring to is the whole thing of like, the early access stuff we talked about last week where, yeah. And, and if you have game pass, I think you can just pay the 30, $35, whatever it is uh, for the premium upgrade. And then combine that with your game pass subscription to play Starfield early. Um, it's a perspective thing. Do you, do you think about that as early or do you think about that as day one? Do you think about that as day one or do you think of that as day negative five? You know, um, I suppose the answer is it's day one because the game is done. It's not like, you know, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, well, I'll tell you, uh, Starfield got its day one patch about three ish, four ish days before it came out, uh, last week. And it has not gotten a patch since as far as I can tell, we will see, but I imagine that the people that are going to be playing it in four hours now or whenever it, it comes out on game pass, they will be playing the same build. Um, I always looked at it as like the cool, one of the cool ideas about releasing games digitally should have been this idea 
of like the game's done and it's out tomorrow. Fuck it. <laughs> um, and we're not there yet because of there are still retailer relationships that they don't want to sour. You know, it's like a Sega Saturn esque move to fuck over what is left of retail, but they're, they're getting increasingly bold when it comes to fucking over retail. But it was this idea of just like, Hey, the game finished early. And so we're just going to put it out. If you pre-ordered it, go download it right now. Fuck it. Um, and I, yeah, I think I always kind of hoped that that would end up being how this stuff ended up going. Instead, they've gone and monetized it. Mortal Kombat one's doing the same thing. That's coming out next week. If you buy the expensive version, um, and at worst, you know, and, and the, the worst case scenario is that the people who end up paying more for the game, there's always that possibility that it gets a key patch sometime in that, in that week of early access and the people that play it a week later have a much smoother experience. I don't think this will be the case with Starfield because I don't think they will put out a patch anytime in the next couple hours here. Maybe they will. I don't know. But um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a trend. I mean, a lot of games are doing it. A lot of games have been doing it. Um, and and the the early access has to be chopped up a little bit. You have to kind of take the pros and cons there on like, oh, am I going to be a guinea pig for the first builds of this game? And they're going to issue a patch before uh, before it comes out for everyone else. And I think the the early the head start thing is always the thing that made sense to me in in the context of um, MMOs and such. But yeah, I don't know. That's something I'm still thinking about. I don't mind it in terms of like, it's nice when a game just comes out on a Thursday and we don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> That's nice. Um, but the, the, the hows and whys of the, the, that monetization, it's a little funky. John writes in, says, Recently, after 15-ish years, I completed my childhood dream of completing max 99 stats on my RuneScape account. As a junior high student and avid fan of the game in its prime, it seemed like it was everywhere when I was younger. But nowadays, I've never heard it come up or be talked about in any form or of context outside of those who are still currently playing. Did this game or Jagex as a company have as much influence on the MMORPG genre as child me thought, or am I just one of the crazies playing a decade old point and click game? I don't know. I have never fucking played R- RuneScape. I was too busy playing EverQuest. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I have no idea. I have the only conversations i have ever heard anyone talk about that i've ever heard anyone have about runescape and yeah maybe people talking about maple story in there and i would i would probably lump them into this as well is like people who were playing it and are disgustingly into it in a way where they cannot stop talking about it and they're scary i've never met a runescape player who could talk about it in a way that made it sound remotely on the level and not like some insanely weird busted nonsense for lunatics. Um, I am barely sure what runescape even is. I'll put it to you that way. 
at the time when it was coming out, it was not a factor in terms of like us covering it or, you know, like I, it was, I, I, I'm sure GameSpot did something on it back then, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that was, it never felt like anything that ever made a dent. It never felt like it, it's never felt like anything that mattered, I guess I would say about RuneScape, which I'm sure is not the case, right? I'm sure tons of people came up playing RuneScape. I'm sure plenty of people who played RuneScape went on to make games and probably did something because of the time they spent damaging themselves with RuneScape. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking around because I, I honestly, I am not sure what the fuck RuneScape is. I have a loose understanding. Like I've seen screenshots of it, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really have it like that. Yeah. Maple story, like, like maple story looked cooler. I don't know. I wanted Gunzy, Gunzy the duel to take off guns. I wanted that game to take off cause it had, uh, like free to play action quake vibes. It was like, they wanted it to be a weird fucking John Woo dual guns, crazy, you know, thing. And it was all fucked up. That game was all fucked up. I played that game for months and it was fucking cool. But also, it was janky. It was a free-to-play game at a time that that wasn't even a thing. Like, I, I don't think... I, I think there was resistance. And this is, I think, still when the PC and console sides of GameSpot were separate. But I remember playing a lot of Gun Z the Duel. And um, there kind of being this thing of like, well, we don't, we're not going to cover it because it's free. So what, what value do we bring to it reviewing it? Like go, go download it if you want to play it and free to play games weren't, didn't seem like real games then for, for whatever reason, it's crazy to think about now when we think about where free to play games are now. And then you think about something like a Gunbound or Gunzy or whatever else. And that shitty three on three freestyle basketball game that was free to play that I think is still kicking around on fucking steam. Disgustingly enough, it's terrible. Um, but it was like free to play basketball game. You're like, this is fucking bizarre. Um, and there were just so many weird games like that that started coming out of nowhere. And, and I, I don't think, you know, I, I just don't think we were equipped to cover that stuff, but also I think there were some people that were maybe a little short sighted about it too, but I probably would have been, you know, I, I remember being like, Oh, this is a cool game. Like I remember playing a lot of Gunsy the duel at work and then no one else even knowing what the fuck I was talking about. You know, it was like, I'm over here playing this weird fucking thing and, and all the people around, you know, like people that are covering PC games for a living being like, what, what it just, there was no word of mouth about it. There was no, you know, I don't, I don't know where people were talking about those games. I don't even know how I heard about it. Some nonsense message board. I'm sure just saw some screenshot of it and went like, okay, fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's RuneScape. I, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. But it, it never, it, yeah, it, I guess my, my answer is like from our perspective, from my perspective, it never ever seemed like a thing. And I know it's been huge for years and it's waxed and waned and, you know, like whatever else they did. Because like, they put out a new one and then had to, had to put out like old school RuneScape or whatever, right? So... Like I know it, I know it mattered to a generation of kids, but it seemed like it was like a a game for kids because kids couldn't afford the real games that we were over here playing. I, I don't know what the I don't I don't have a good answer to it. I don't have a good answer for it. But yeah, um, 
Grant writes in and says, is it me or does Starfield look dated? To me, Starfield looks like it was made on that same old Bethesda engine, but now with 4K assets, better lighting, and less jaggies. Like they took a 360 game and gave it a remaster. The same old stiffly animating character models with blank stare faces. What is weird to me is that no one is saying this, not even Digital Foundry. Am I just wrong? It looks worse than Halo Infinite. And I remember that game getting crapped on for the graphics. Uh, I think you're right. And I don't necessarily think it looks terrible. I don't know. I guess <laughs> like I, yeah, sterile is maybe the word I would use as opposed to dated. It does not have a lot of bells and whistles. We were just talking about the HDR stuff and, and ray tracing and, and whatever else like Starfield does not have a ton of, of bells and whistles. You know, it doesn't look fancy. One of the mods that's out there already is someone said, I redid all the particle effects to look good. So it's going to be one of those games where modders think they're like, we're fixing the game because it looks like shit. And some of them will turn out amazing work and some of it will be terrible. <laughs> I'm sure that's mods for you. Uh, Tom writes in. I know your thoughts on racing wheels, but I hear great things about Star Wars TIE Fighter. Though playing on a gamepad just doesn't feel right. So is TIE Fighter worth buying a joystick for? And if yes, do you have any other games that are better with a joystick? I played TIE Fighter with a mouse and keyboard. Uh, or perhaps a Gravis gamepad. I alternated. Uh, because sometimes you needed more turning radius than the gamepad would give you. And so you would pick up that mouse and go, ur, ur, ur. Um, I remember playing a fair amount of Mech Warrior 2. Because that, that came out around the same time as like the fancy Sidewinder force feedback stick. Um, and I remember, yeah, it was, it was packaged in it, right? Because you needed, yeah, you needed a joystick that would twist, right? Uh, I remember playing it like that for a while, but ultimately mostly doing mouse and keyboard. Um, TIE fighter with a stick. I mean, you could, you could do a lot of things, but I, I don't, I don't know that you need to, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I just, that stuff it's, it's expensive and there's only so many games you're going to use it for. So it's like, unless you're exclusively into those games, like I'm never in a position, I've, I've never been in a position where I could take some fucking weird controller and just say, I'm going to leave this set up forever because what if another driving game comes out or what if another flight game comes out and I want to do that? That has never been how I've lived my life and I've just never been into those games enough to want to do that. And so, and so that would be like a, a barricade for me if it was like, Hey, Oh, cool. A new driving game came out, but I only like to play those with my driving controllers. So I've got to go get this thrust master. I got to go get all this and I got to clamp it to my desk and I got to get the cables and do this and manage all these cables. Like the, at some point I would just go, you know what? I'm just not going to play this unless I hear it's the most amazing driving game ever produced and I've got to play it and I've got to pull out all my shit for it. I'm just not going to, I'll just be like, fuck it, dude, whatever. I'm playing street fighter with a fucking game pad. Don't mean shit to me, man. Um,
I'm off those Broward County Tic Tacs. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's for me, it is part, it is laziness perhaps of just like, Hey, this mech game came out. I better get my joystick. No, <laughs> I'm just not going to play the mech game. Uh, that, that is the direction I would go in, in, in that, in that specific situation. Um, so, so yeah, I, that, that, that's, that's where I'm at in, in a lot of that stuff. I keep a fight stick around because that is, you know, something that you can use for a wide variety of weird old games and whatever else. And, uh, and, but even then I was looking at this fight stick sitting right fucking here. You can't actually see it. Um, but it's sitting in front of my TV. I have it there because my son comes up and grabs it and slams it around. It's not hooked up to anything. And I got it thinking like, oh, well, you know, I, I have it out because when Street Fighter came out, I was like, well, I'll probably need this for that. And then haven't. I hooked it up for a while and I was like, actually, I think I might prefer pad at this stage in the game. Um, and so I've been sticking with that. And I was looking at, I, I was clearing some space in some drawers and stuff. And there was enough space for that stick to go in. And I was looking at it going like, I should shove that fucking stick in there. And I was like, the minute I do that, I'll never see it again. <laughs> so I, I, I left it out. But, um, <coughs> but yeah, just kind of don't need it. Ben in Boston writes in. It says, when the Switch launched, there was an expectation that it would allow the bigger console-sized games and the smaller, less expensive handheld-style games to coexist on one platform, the full range of Nintendo's offerings in one place. Looking at it now, do you think this potential has been lived up to, or have the games that would have come to something like a DS fallen by the wayside? Is Nintendo First Party chasing the bigger, more expensive titles and letting indies fill in the lower tiers? And if so, have we lost anything in this translation? Well, yeah, I was, you know, the, the, I would say that the Link's Awakening remake, but that's a weird one too. So I, yeah, I don't know that they've necessarily, I'm trying to think about the 3DS and the, the games that came out on the 3DS, the first party games and, and whatever else. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, Fire Emblem came to, you know, those, those sorts of games came over just fine. Did they ever do a Yokai watch on Switch? Uh, and they made some 2d Kirby games that, you know, WarioWare came out on switch. Like there's, there's stuff, you know? Um, yeah, the Mario RPG remake. That's a good call. That probably would have been a DS game in, in past generations. Uh, and oh, okay. So they, they didn't bring the, the switch. You okay? Watch over. Okay. Well, that's weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess like when I think about what came out on the 3DS, like a lot of those games resembled console games anyway. Um, and you had some smaller games and, and Nintendo has done some smaller games for the Switch as well. So I, I don't think that, that stuff's necessarily been lost. I could see someone saying that they were disappointed with the smaller game output from Nintendo on the Switch because they haven't necessarily done a ton of it. Um... But I think they've they've done okay at that. 
But I guess like uh, that's the thing is you think think of the 3DS and I mean you know the 3DS Street Fighter 4 came out of the 3DS like Metal Gear Solid 3 or whatever came out on the 3DS it's like a bunch of weird console games came out on the 3DS all the time so even that by then they had already kind of shaken off like the idea of what is a handheld game um in in some ways so so I think you have to go back to the DS if not the GBA to really truly encapsulate what we think of as Nintendo's handheld output. Uh, Rowan asks, what's your favorite biome? Love me a good jungle world. Not a fan of any desert style levels. I don't know, man. What's a good biome there? I don't know. They're all kind of bad. Like a hell, like a hell, like a uh, underworld kind of hell biome can be kind of nice sometimes. But I like a nice casino biome, like a, a nice casino world that looks more like pinball machines than a casino. More of a, of a pachinko take on it. I think that's a hot biome. I think more games should have that as a. I should land on a planet in Starfield, and it should look like a fucking nightmare pachinko machine and I roll up into a little ball and I bounce around like a fucking little lunatic and then I level up my piloting skill uh, Damien writes in from Australia you talked a lot of smack last week and as someone who uses media player classic and still thinks about chrome hounds all the time I just wanted to say I'm just excited that someone said the word Chrome Hounds. Yeah. Take what you can get on the Chrome Hounds front, I guess. Not me not media player classic though. That's it's just you don't you don't need it, man. I'm not even saying VLC is great. I'm saying that if given the choice. Rich from New York writes in and says, how great is it that we're getting stuff like the Karatika release? It doesn't seem like your style to evangelize, but you should use whatever power your platform gives you to continue giving stuff like this the exposure it deserves. These guys should be able to pick titles for this series and not have to worry about sales targets and all that stuff. Putting this kind of work out is too awesome and important. Maybe there's a gaming nonprofit or something that could help back these releases. I mean, the Video Game History Foundation could maybe get involved, but I'm sure that they have provided assets in some cases. But um, Anyway, as far as the criteria for selecting titles, obviously having materials is important. And I think the game being important matters too. Sadly, two of the first that came to mind that could never happen due to licensing is E.T. and NFL Blitz. Although Spielberg seems to be a gamer for real, so you never know. Some of the titles I think would line up well for future entries. And then he has a list of, a list of games that he think would be a good fit for... Uh, for the um, the Gold Master series over a digital eclipse. Uh, Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, Doom, Out of This World, any of the original Sierra Quest games, MS Flight Simulator, Carmen Sandiego, Civ and Civ 2, Myst, Seventh Guest, Dragon's Lair. Yeah, those could be interesting. Um, I actually think the Sierra, like if you did like a, a, you know, a, like 
you know, Roberta Williams and, you know, like do all those interviews. Like I think the Sierra stuff would actually be kind of an interesting one to do a big Sierra. I, th- I think you wouldn't do one game. You would, you would just do like, here's King's quest and space quest. And, uh, and we put it all in one pack or maybe you do a King's quest pack and a, and a, a space quest pack or something like that. And then a separate police quest. Eh, maybe you don't, maybe you don't do police quest. Um, I think that stuff would be interesting. And there's probably a lot. I bet I bet there's a fair amount of material around some of those games and there's people still around to interview and and, and everything else. Doom, I, I don't know that Doom makes a ton of sense because Doom gets re-released so often and I feel like the story of Doom has been told so many different ways that I'm not sure what you bring to the table. Um... Unless you're getting into, yeah, some of the weird esoteric port stories like the 3DO thing. Yeah, that that maybe. But but Doom is already, I feel like the hows and whys of Doom is already pretty well known. Um, And there's, you know, full-on documentaries and other stuff made about it that, you know, it's like kind of like, well, I don't know. Mortal Kombat is another one that I feel like a lot of that story has been told. You know, they've, they've been out there with a lot of stuff over this last year because they've been celebrating their 30th anniversary. And so they've, they've done little bits and pieces about the history of the Mortal Kombat origins and, and, and everything. Um, I do think, yeah, you could do, you, there's a lot you could produce about Mortal Kombat that I think hasn't necessarily been told to death. But like at the same time, the, you know, the Jean-Claude Van Damme story is very well known now. The, you know, the, like there's, there's just stuff about MK that is, has gotten out there time and time again. And is 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 relatively common knowledge if you're a, if you're already a fan of that game. So, <clears throat> um, NBA Jam. I think you know you end up with a bad licensing problem. I think that the stories and stuff behind. I think there there are a lot of amazing stories behind the Midway Sports games, and some of those I think made their way into that insert coin documentary that uh, Josh Sway did. Um, but. Yeah, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, like there's definitely interesting stories um that people like Mark Turmel and Sal DeVita would have about that. Um but I I don't know that that necessarily does a full I don't know I don't know if a full thing. And you know, that's that's not to say cuz like and people have written books about NBA Jam. Like there, there there's there's so much to the impact that those games have had that you could definitely produce something around that. Like, you know, the impact of NBA Jam on sports gaming and the intersection thereof. Um, but again, I, th- I think, you know, people have, have been out there doing a lot of that work out of this world. I think is an interesting choice. Um, I've never been a huge fan of those games, the exception of flashback, but, uh, yeah, out of this world or heart of darkness or whatever would be probably interesting. Um, Raven in chat says GTA. Yeah. That would actually, yeah. I mean, you know, do you do GTA three? It's like, uh, they just released those remakes of the GTA games. I, but I, you know, GTA one isn't interesting enough. And GTA three is probably a, a huge undertaking. You know, remaking GTA three to remaster it, to put in here, to have access to old builds and, and whatever. Like, I think if you, you know, if if you could, 
Like if they did a San Andreas thing and they're like, okay, we've decided to rate this a like the, the, here's here's the hot coffee stuff and here's what our vision was for it originally, and here's what got hacked out of weird game genie codes and you know like like I think that would be fascinating. But like they just did that GTA remaster and it was bad. So I, I think like doing bigger games of that era, more modern open world games, becomes a much more severe undertaking that I think would be really hard. Well, whatever they could do it. I mean, digital clips I think could do damn near anything. But, uh, but I think that would just be you would not sell that for twenty dollars. Is my point. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I I don't know. I, I I Load Runner I think would be fascinating. Um, but the creator of Load Runner is no longer with us. Um. I think something about the history of epics with Jumpman and Impossible Mission. Like, I think if you did it as like that that company and the stuff they put out, um, I think would be really cool. You know, summer games, winter games, world games, all of that stuff. I think that that could be really cool. You would have to get Olympic licenses to re-release stuff like summer games because they've they've got. I think the rings are in there. Um, so if you wanted to re-release authentic versions of those, you would have to do a lot. But I think like that would be an interesting documentary because I think that team at Epics eventually like developed like the Lynx and the Amiga and maybe the 3DO is like RJ Michael did all that. Like, yeah, there's that. That is probably a really interesting story. And if you could weave those games into that as well, Temple of half shy or whatever um like epics published a whole lot of awesome games um what else though hmm. pitfall yeah pitfall would like if you were doing a, a, a if you're again if we're, if we're doing a product around a single game and maybe around pitfall you did around pitfall and pitfall 2 and you stop there. Um, are there interesting work in progress builds? Are there early prototypes of Pitfall? I don't think there are. At least none that have surfaced. Um, like, is the material there? Is the other thing? You know, if we assume the material is there, then yeah, I would love to. Um, shit, man, sit me down in front of a webcam. I'll talk to you about Pitfall for forty-five minutes. Uh. In fact, if you want me talking about Pitfall 2, I think there is 45 minutes or so of footage of me talking about Pitfall 2 uh, as part of the Jeff Gersman Hall of Fame. So go check that out. Um, you know, like, would would Die Katana be interesting? Like, probably in the right context. You know, if you had the right builds and the right, you know, right access and, and whatever else, like, maybe. I don't want to play Die Katana, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's probably something around that that could be, could be interesting, I guess. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, I'm sure that they probably didn't enter into this, uh, endeavor of, of saying this is the first entry in our series without at least having a second one lined up, um, but you know, I, I think you know, trying to think about a, like 
Karatika is such a, a legendary starting point. And I'm trying to think about like, what's another game that, that matches up to that in terms of its legend, but also probably has an interesting enough story. I mean, I don't know every story about all those games, so I'm sure that there's some that, um, um, you know, uh, some that that would be surprisingly interesting to me or, or something like that. But like, you know, like what would you have the right info for, you know, do you get Will Wright in, do you do Sim City? Like, do you have the material to do SimCity? Probably. Um, like, that could be cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'll be very interested to see what they do next. When it comes to those. Luke writes in from Saskatoon it says what would the practical hurdles be if someone wanted to make a new game for an old system could someone make a game for PlayStation 2 print it to DVDs and have that game run on the hardware or are there additional steps that would have to be taken I dig that it wouldn't be cost effective or anything just curious um I think that's, I think for PlayStation 2 specifically, I think that that is, uh, that is very doable. Um, the situation you're in is that you need to be able to press up discs that boot on original unmodified hardware. Now I could burn you a PS2 disc and I've got PS2s all over the place that'll fucking run whatever you put in them, be they debugs or free McBoot cards or whatever the hell else. Um, but you would need to be able to press up a disc that, that, you know, at least emulates or, you know, circumvents whatever security the PlayStation 2 has. And I think that has been done. I think that you can make discs that boot on unmodified PlayStation 2s. I'm not positive. Um, but people have done that. I mean, obviously, that's much easier on the Dreamcast. That's how piracy on the Dreamcast became such a problem. So, yeah, people have issued new Dreamcast games like if it's just as easy as like burning CDs and pressing them up and putting them in cases like yeah you can you can do that all day long and people have made new old parts for NES cartridges like people have done small runs of aftermarket NES games um a lot over the years uh Atari is selling a new Atari 2600 game right now they're taking pre-orders for it um and people have, have done aftermarket 2600 games for years. In a lot of cases, they've taken prototypes that have surfaced and are just selling bootleg copies of them. But uh, that's still cool. I have a sealed copy of Adventure 2 around here somewhere. Sealed and numbered. Um, uh, that's, it's not good. Adventure 2 is not a good... It's not a good prototype. It's not a good game. I have Combat 2 as well. You know what's not good? Combat 2. Just not good. Uh, but yeah, plenty of new SNES games, new, you know, you, you can go find aftermarket cartridges all the time. And, and people have, have made new parts for that, uh, pretty, pretty regularly, but the newer you go, you, you know, security, um, becomes a thing. Like you have to circumvent some sort of on device security for the PlayStation two to get it to trigger and think it's a real disc and boot up and not a burned disc. Cause otherwise you're selling something and then you're like, well, It'll only work if you have a modified PS2, and then that's annoying. Um, 
So I don't know specifically about the PlayStation 2 if that stuff's been completely beaten or not uh, to where you can just burn a disc the right the right way and have it go. But um, but yeah. Uh, one more from Ben in Boston. Are there any bad versions of a good game that you actually like for whatever reason? My first exposure to Fatal Fury 1 was on the Genesis. This is obviously not the best way to play the game, but I can't help but still enjoy the weird specific feel it has even after experiencing better versions. Do you have a soft spot for any bad ports or wonky versions of a good game? Um... Donkey Kong for the 2600 is a terrible game, but it's like fascinating, like in, in weird ways. Uh, and the, the audio in it is so iconic, uh, that I do kind of enjoy playing it from time to time. Um, bad versions of good games that I actually like, I don't, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know that I'd say I actually liked him, but when Mortal Kombat 1 came out on the SNES, I sure did play a whole lot of it. Um, and the Genesis, I mean, the Genesis version was the better video game, but I, I, in some ways, I think the Genesis port of MK1 is not a, not a great game either. Um, yeah, bad versions of a good game. I think, you know, like, some of them are just interesting, like, you know, Mortal Kombat is another weird one that um, on Game Boy, it is such an abysmal video game. It is so terrible. Um, but it's interesting because of how fucking bad it is. Strider on NES. That's not a bad version of a good game. That's the best version. That's the best Strider game. The arcade version is 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 a, is a disappointment by comparison. Bionic Commando, the same exact way. Bionic Commando and Strider, great home games. Garbage in the arcades. Um, someone said Ninja Gaiden Arcade, which is also a, a totally different game than the home version, but I that's a case where I like both of those games. Um, I think that arcade version of it. I remember playing that so much. It had a button on top of the joystick. It was nonsense. The controls were fucking ridiculous, but, um, but I played a ton of, uh, the arcade version of Ninja Gaiden Tecmo bowl was another case of like the home, the, the home version is a totally different video game than the arcade version. The arcade version of Tecmo bowl is on like three monitors put together like Darius and uh, it had these big cartoony football players, and it was just a totally different fucking thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like like bad versions of of good games. I, you know, it's <sighs> I I, mean, I can't think of any that are actually like just straight up like you just are like, hey, th- this is a bad port, but I love it anyway. I think you know a lot of ports. Back then, it was just like, hey, man, I can't get out to the arcade, and so this is the next best thing, and so I'm going to play it anyway. Um, 
I think it was more stuff like that. Like the, the TMNT, the, the Ninja Turtles arcade port for the NES sucks. <laughs> um, but it was the best you could do for a while there. And, uh, yeah, Akari Warriors for the NES is actually probably a pretty good, pretty good choice there. I enjoyed it. Played a lot of that game. Played more than anyone ever should. But I also played a lot of the arcade. That was a case of like, I love that arcade game. Um, the arcade version of Akari Warriors is such a cool fucking thing. The explosions look great. Especially if you're like me and you have played the NES version of Akari Warriors for way more hours. When you go back, when I go back now to this day, when I go back and look at the arcade version of Akari Warriors, it might as well have fucking be running in 4K and fucking have ray tracing and running at 240 frames. Per, like, it looks incredible. Every time I see the arcade version of Akari Warriors, I look at it and go like, oh, Jesus, this, look at how smooth this is. This looks incredible. Look at how the, the face is shooting arrows out and everything's moving smoothly. And look at my guy walking and he turns good. And it's like it's such an awesome game. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Duna Dame says the SNES version of, of Civ is such a slog to play. I would actually say uh, Sim City for the SNES. That's not that's not a bad version of that game, but when you compare it to the original version of the game, it's a it's a different fucking thing that I think a lot of people that played the PC ver- or played the actual versions of SimCity kind of shit on a little bit, but I, I that is my preferred version of SimCity is that SNES game. Um that is the version of of SimCity I played the most of the original anyway. Uh SimCity 2000 I played on the PC. But uh man, yeah. SimCity for the SNES was fucking awesome. So good. Um yeah, Genesis port of Virtual Racing. Uh Chrononaut says it's incredible, but it runs at a frame rate it had no no right to be running at. That's that uh that's that special chip in it. The the I was gonna say DS DSP chip. No, it's what do they call it? Whatever weird chip is in Virtual Racing for the Genesis it's SVP. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I had that thing, and I think the thing I realized playing that game is I just never really cared for because I ended up with it on the 32x all over again. I think it was this realization of like I don't think Virtual Racing is a very good game. especially compared to Daytona. A game I might also say I don't think is a very good game. Um, but I, yeah, the, the look of virtual racing is, is pretty awesome for its day. You, can, you can't deny that. Uh, anyway, I think that's going to do it for us here at the show. Um, checking my email to see if anything else happened while we were in here. Doesn't look like it. Registrations for the Tetris Effect Connected World Championship 2023 are open. That happened. But uh, that looks to be about it. Anyway. That's going to do it for the program here. It's uh, 
dawn of a new era in professional wrestling, <laughs> I suppose. We'll see how that go that all goes. Uh, Zadoichi asks, is the crew motor fest out this week, uh, next week? That's a good question. I have no idea. Let's find out. Let's type in the crew motor fest into the internet. September 11th. I forgot. Yeah. I guess I just, I just, I just forgot the date, huh? Uh, it happens. Um, that is their early access. I guess the technical release date is the 14th. So, so yeah, uh, that'll be out pretty soon. That again, I, I played that on PC, uh, when I went to Ubisoft's little thing in June, uh, little thing. There was a huge space that they had rented out, but, uh, but I played some of that and, uh, it seemed kind of cool. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing some of that. I have been, uh, looking over a game called Forza Motorsport and we'll have some things to say about that. And at some point in the future, speaking of driving, um, and, uh, yeah. And then Mortal Kombat is also out next week. So that's a, that's a wild, that's a, that's kind of a packed one, huh? I should probably email somebody about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> um, that was the thought I had about Starfield. I should probably email somebody about that. And then people didn't write back for a long time. It was mm, mm. very silly. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for this week. This week, uh, I guess, yeah, we'll we'll just, I'm, I'll probably get into some Starfield. We'll stream some Starfield this week. Um, maybe we'll take a look at Sandbox as well if you want to see what that's about, since that's not something that is especially easy to get into at the moment, I suppose. Um, maybe a lot, a lot of people have seen any of that. I don't know that there's not that much to show, but maybe we'll click around in that for a little bit too. Um, and then I'll put together another list of uh, hot Nintendo games. Busy week around here. The, 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 my, my wife is getting closer and closer to our delivery date. We're about a month out from the scheduled date. I've got to build a bassinet. I've got to get this minivan insured. It's still, it's just been sitting in the fucking driveway. We haven't even, we haven't even driven it. Um, anyway, uh, so I, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's coming, that's happening pretty soon. And, um, we will see how that all, uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, like I work alone. So what's paternity leave, right? Like I, I maybe we'll probably stream a little less for a while after the baby comes um, to kind of, you know, we can get our, our feet under us a little bit, maybe do the podcast, but, uh, but kind of roll off the other streams for a little bit. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something out. I'm going to play that stuff by ear based on how everything goes, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we'll probably, uh, we'll stream a little less frequently, after the baby is born. Um, and that's, that's like I said, that's about a month out though. My wife's been early every other time. So we'll see. 
there's a lot left. There's a lot. I gotta, gotta, okay. Yeah. I gotta, I'm gonna go, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go look at this bassinet. I'm gonna go figure out. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to do that today, but this week that bassinet is getting built. I got it. Cause I, I got it. Uh, anyway, be back tomorrow. We, you know, a lot of, di- that was my long winded way of saying a bunch of doctor's appointments and other stuff. And my, my daughter, um, just went to her orientation for preschool today. I'm very eager to hear how that went. And then we're going to send her off. I think after the baby is born, uh, she will, she will start attending, uh, attending school a few days a week. School, it's school, but it's not even, it's not even preschools. People keep throwing around the phrase TK, like I'm supposed to know what that means. I don't know what the fuck that means. I think it's whatever comes before preschool, which I thought that was just called daycare, but I don't know. I don't know. Is Tony Khan going to show up and look after my children? I don't know. He's been doing, he's had mixed results with the, uh, the children he's been governing so far, but maybe he's turned over a new leaf. Maybe he's better at it now. I don't know. Um, anyway, this, the streams might start late this week, I think is what I was actually trying to say because of doctor's appointments and all this other stuff that's going on. Uh, hopefully everything will just fall in line and happen at 10 and whatever else. But I think there's dentist appointments and other stuff happening and, other stuff happening, so uh, I will keep you posted as best I can. But you know, uh, planning to stick stick as close to the schedule as possible this week, uh, and so that means I should be here around 10 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday uh, to stream some Starfield and stuff like that. So, thanks everyone for hanging out. We'll be back uh, in the morning. If you're if you're just listening to the podcast, the podcast will be back next week. We will talk about video games. More of them will be out by then. I think is how that works. There's always more video games. We can always trust in that at least. At least that is the one constant through everything is that video games are here with us to to help us get through the down times and help us get through the good times. Starfield is uh, hours away from being out now. What are we looking at here? Three hours. Listen to this show again and then once it is over, Starfield will be on Game Pass. <laughs>